Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. become the song of Exodus from our tri-state area and especially the five boroughs in New York State because of the escalating violent crime. Gloria Estefan is synonymous with Florida. And even though Ivan make that Ian, the terrible hurricane, just cut a swath through Florida. Knocking down Fort Myers, Venice, Lee County, causing damage in other counties as it's made its way north. It has not stopped people from hitting that computer and saying, I'm out of here. There have been a series of crimes in the past two weeks that have struck an emotional chord in so many of our citizens that there are Internet reports now that people are seeking an escape more than ever before. And the number one destination is DeSantis Land, Freedom Land, Florida. And you would say, wait a second, how could that be? They just got devastated by a hurricane. Doesn't matter. People would rather deal with alligators and crocodiles crawling around in the street, would rather deal with looters who are going through the streets of Lee County late at night. I know because I have guardian angels down there. And the residents there have big signs. You loot, we shoot. Come inside and we'll shoot you right between the eyes. And the deputy sheriff's down there saying, there's not enough of us to cover this territory, so please, God bless you, use your guns. Anybody comes onto your property and you don't know who they are, shoot them. You don't have to drag them into your house. Just leave them right outside. We'll come pick them up in about a day or two. And that, that, that makes you feel good, like government, like law enforcement is on your side. And as you've heard from DeSantis himself, as he was describing the devastation and obviously the long haul back. Got to have my music here, please. Uh, Matt's, uh, Matt Blaze, uh, no doubt an alias of some type. You, uh, you uh, without a doubt... 
or some kind of fugitive from parts unknown. And notice, because you're used to dealing with that mongoluk Frank Morano, who hosts the worst side of the other side of midnight that you can hear every Monday through Friday from 1 to 5, you're used to not playing any music because it's a show about nothing. I mean, it's like Seinfeld, right? Come on, it's like George Costanza. It is a show about nothing. And it really pisses me off, ladies and gentlemen, that on this this particular night as I wind up the Quinella, having done five separate shows within the course of just 24 hours, in which WABC, the acronym, stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. Why I can't have my normal crew, the brothers, Broadway Bill Lee, oh, an iconic figure from WCBS-FM, and, of course, the talent uh, telephone coordinator and my nighttime producer, Avery, who oftentimes is on loan to the Frank Morano show because Ken, with a muscle between his uh, ears, oftentimes gets lost on his way to the studio twice a week. And in fact, Avery has to come in as a last minute replacement only to be abused by Matt, by Ken, and most importantly, Alex, the producer of the other side, the worst side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano, the biggest brown nose that I have ever, ever known in my life. And that goes back to elementary school. His schnoz is so far up the tuchus of Frank Morano. I don't want to describe what it looks like. But anyway, we forge on. So Matt Blaze is trying whatever he can do to throw me off track. And let me tell you something, Matt. You can't throw me off track because I conflate the music with the theme. And obviously, it is a perfect conflation because we're talking about people continuing to flee to Florida, to Georgia, to North Carolina, to South Carolina, to Virginia, to Texas, to Tennessee. And the number one reason is the horrific amount of violent crime that is skyrocketing. Just think, just over the last two weeks in and of itself, a swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams, is completely lost. He's dealing with illegal aliens that he's embracing. He's pretty much giving up going to crime scenes. He's saying no mas, no mas. Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb doesn't want to deal with the subways and the 80% crime increase, even though she's in charge of the money-taking agency, which runs the subways. And basically have said, just buckle down. Don't comment. We got a month to go to November 10th, and we might be able to eke out a victory against Congressman uh, Lee Zeldin from Shirley in Suffolk County and his lieutenant governor candidate, uh, who is uh, Esposito, the former deputy inspector of the NYPD, who was in charge of Fort Tombstone, the 70th Precinct. Speaking of that, the main issue this evening of the many main issues that touch on crime is the fact that as Lee Zeldin and his lovely wife had headed out to the Bronx earlier on Sunday to attend the annual Christopher Columbus Day Parade in Morris Park. Uh, That's a feature and fixture. I've been there many, many times. And for a while there, that parade was waning because it was just based on Italians, and many of them had already fled. So who came to the aid of the remaining Italians in Morris Park? The Albanians and those from Montenegro. And they formed a trinity. And, boy, the parade has has really rebounded and come back. So Lee Zeldin and his wife had left their home in Shirley to come march in the parade. They left their two twin daughters at home. They were 16, and they had to be studying uh, for school on Tuesday. Well, they happened to be sitting downstairs 
in the uh, living room when all of a sudden they heard pop, 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 pop. Guys were having a gun battle. Two houses away in the street. This is Shirley. This is leaving to Beaverland. This is Father Knows Best. This is Little House on the Prairie. And these guys, they're bleeding all over. They're ducking. They're diving. They're hiding under Lee Zeldin's porch. There's blood on the lawn. The police have called it a crime scene now. They're picking up shells everywhere. These two guys, we still don't know the circumstances. We're taken to a nearby hospital, and they're being cared for. But apparently, on the uh, QT, police officers of Suffolk County are saying this was gang-related. And I'm saying to myself, gang-related? I could see if this was in the dance, wine dance. Oh, hell yeah. I can see it was in Brentwood and Central Islip involving 18th Street versus, ah, yeah, MS-13. Oh, we've battled them there. I can see it over in Hempstead, right, with Bloods and Crips. But surely, say it ain't so. You don't have gang-related crime in Shirley, although I've been warning you. Remember Bruce Blakeman, the uh, county executive in Nassau nearby uh, from Suffolk? was complaining about guys coming over from Jersey, from Newark. You know, Raj Baraka's guys coming over there to steal catalytic converters and cars. Because naturally, people in Nassau County, you know, they park it right outside, park it outside the garage, park it outside in the street. They're not thinking twice. And these homies are coming in from Newark, and, man, they know what to do right away. They look at the make and model of the car. If it's good enough, they're going to drive it. They're going to drive it all the way through Staten Island over the Outer Bridge Crossing and right into the port in Newark and Elizabeth and into the cargo containers with the license plates on. Next stop, Dubai, UAE, Saudi Arabia, or Bulgaria, or (laughs) any number of Eastern European countries where they love to have a car with New York plates on it. It's considered like, wow, that's something. Or they bring it to a nearby chop shop. Chop it up for parts. Or they're just stealing catalytic converters. Now, Bruce Blakeman was moaning and groaning about that because when they were caught by the Nassau County Police, they were turning it into a demolition derby, crashing in to Nassau County Police cars like they do over in Newark. And they got arrested, they got brought before the judge, and they were cut loose, no bail. Now, you don't think they're coming back to Nassau County to face, face potential trial? Of course not. And they're doing the same thing in Suffolk County now. I myself don't know the details. All I know is that Lee Zeldin's uh, two daughters, the twins, are safe and secure. They went upstairs when they heard multiple gunshots. They locked themselves in the bathroom and hid in the tub. That's something you do in the hood. When you're living in the projects or you're living in the tenements and you're used to gunfire, how many times did you hear the children have been trained? Yo, you hear shots being fired. Don't take it for granted that it's not going to come through the window or even come through the wall. Go into the bathroom, duck and cover in the tub, even if there's water there. Oh, my God, Shirley. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what this means. I mean, the crime is everywhere. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. That certainly is the story of the night, and we'll give you any late-breaking details. In fact, uh, I believe Lee Zeldin was actually uh, conducting a press conference. And I know we had some of our crackerjack uh, news folks from WABC at the ready to get 
whatever else news was generated by that, all the reporters were saying is there was blood everywhere. His whole porch was a crime scene. And, in fact, one of the guys who was shot crawled under the porch, and the other guy collapsed on the sidewalk next to the house, next to the Zeldin house. Now, police are saying it wasn't directed at Lee Zeldin or any family member. Uh, these guys probably didn't even know that the gubernatorial candidate of the Republican and conservative party even lived there, which suggests to me might be from Jersey. Might have been coming in there to steal cars, deal drugs, or steal catalytic converters. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As bad as that is out in Suffolk County, right here, locally in Manhattan, could it more depict what's gone completely out of control in New York City? It was the other night... A tractor trailer crashed into a guy who was 44 years old. He was crushed by the tractor trailer at 44th and 8th, right in the heart of Times Square. Oh, they're so afraid anybody bringing a gun into Times Square. No gun zone, right? The guy ends up underneath the tractor trailer, and unfortunately, the wheels go over his body, and the life is crushed out of him. And then what happened next? has turned people's stomachs to the point where it rivals Kurt Russell's escape from New York. As the guy is writhing in pain and bleeding out, blood coming out of his mouth, blood coming out of his nose, it's clearly he's, he's expiring at that point. The people who surrounded the truck, they were cheering on a woman who crawled under the truck to pick his pocket. They were cheering it up, cheering a lot. They, they got filming it. Get it. Get it. Come on. Get it. We'll divvy it up. Yo, yo, go for it. No cops. Midtown North, a few blocks away. Midtown South, down on 35th between 9th and 8th. No police officers. Where are they? I thought Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, who loves to raise the roof at Club Zero Bond and other private clubs, with guys named French Montana, was the biggest coke boy in all of New York City history. In fact, he runs a record label called Coke Records. And that's not Coca-Cola. And then Ja Rule, right? Oh, Ja Rule. I'm a, he's, he's partying with them at like 4 o'clock in the morning. Meantime, he's calling for an emergency because of all the illegal aliens who are coming through Times Square, pounding the hound from El Paso where he has the friend, the mayor, and he's saying, oh, yes, yeah, send them to his enemy, Abbott, who's sending them from Eagle Pass. And he can't figure out who's or who's. He's just overwhelmed. And he's partying hardy. As he is. And I guarantee you tonight. I don't know if he is at uh, City Field where the Mets, it's do or die. Three-game elimination. Not looking too good for the Mets. And I'll tell you why. Because Anthony Weiner, my partner on Saturdays, two weeks ago, declared the Grom to be the Cy Young of all time. In fact, no longer call it a Cy Young Award call it the DeGrum Award, and man, he got bombed two outings after it. Did great last night, no doubt about it, but I don't know. Things are not going too well tonight, and I actually want the Mets to win. I'll tell you why, because I hate Manny Machado. I hate that. I hated him with the Baltimore Orioles. By the way, he's from Venezuela. He loved Hugo Chavez. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him with the Padres. Look at him. He looks all roided up. He looks like Conseco. So I want the Mets to win. I want him to come back, 
I want them to break through the uh, Atlanta Braves in the next round of the playoffs. I think all baseball fans, which is no longer the national pastime, would love to be able to see Dodgers versus Mets in the finals of the NL playoffs before the World Series. East Coast versus West Coast. Uh, think about it, right? You have uh, Tupac Shakur, West Coast, right? Yeah, yeah. Going off on P. Diddy and Biggie Smalls, East Coast. Yeah, 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 that's what, hey, baseball fans are entitled to see that because, remember, Smash Mouth football has now become the national pastime. Although I love football, it shouldn't be the national pastime. And, my beloved Yankees, I got to tell you, and I've been very, very honest with you, as long as we have Aaron Boone as manager, ain't going to happen. I don't care that we have Aaron uh, Judge, 62 home runs. I don't care that Aaron Rodgers lost today leading the Packers against the Giants. When you're Aaron Boone, you're not going to get into the last dance. You're not going to get into the uh, World Series. We can't get through Houston, and the Mets can't get through the Dodgers. So we'll both uh, end up on the outside looking in, and my prediction will be the Dodgers versus the Houston Astros. Oh, yeah, because Buck Showalter ain't going to get you into the World Series, Mets fans. Hey, I'm trying to be nice. Typically, I hate the Mets, right? I want the Mets to crash and burn. But I'm blaming this on Anthony Weiner, who is my partner on Saturday's Left versus Right, and our weekend producer, Kevin Droch, who abandoned me tonight because he had a ticket. He had tickets to City Field. Oh, Curtis, get that guy. I said, yeah, go ahead. Get out of here. A curse has been upon the New York Mets. There's no doubt about it. Anthony Weiner's there, and Kevin Droch is there. They've lost. Although there's still plenty of time to come back. Come on, come on, Mets, come back. I, hey, I don't want to see Manny Machado with the champagne. I don't want to hear about him being all roided up. Conseco number two. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And let me tell you the horror of this story. This scale, this mutt, this woman climbs under that 18-wheel tractor trailer, steals his wallet and all of his identification. The cops take a month of Sundays to get there. You know what they're analyzing to try to figure out who the victim is? Dental records. They had to take his teeth out of his mouth. They still don't know who the victim is. And on the sidelines, the jackals, the vipers, the cretins with chromosome damage, the enemies of all of us were cheering this woman. And have the police found this woman, even though there are video cameras everywhere? Of course not. And where was Eric Adams? Did he have a press conference there saying absolutely maybe the most outrageous of many outrageous crimes? Of course not. He was cutting ribbons. He was marching in parades. He's acting like he's the borough president of Brooklyn. Wake up, Eric Adams. You're the mayor of the city of New York. And you promised law and order and quality of life. And people are continuing to flee. Even with a hurricane that smashed through southwest Florida. There were more people online interested in going to Florida as of Saturday than there had been in any week prior in this past year. What does that tell you right there? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. 
Right, time to rev it up, Matt. This ain't the wrong side of the other side of midnight, the Frank Morano Show. We amp it up. We amp it up. Wake up out there. I know Mets fans, you're in like postmortem depression. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Life will proceed. The issues we're talking about are far more serious than any sport. And remember, I actually used to do sports, the courtesy of Super Sports Spectacular. But how can you be interested in China Jet football, Mets and Yankees, when our city, our whole tri-state area is being flushed into Turley? Quality of life, zip, it's escaped from New York, and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Later on, I'm going to devote a full out, something I normally don't do, to uh, what transpired in Park Slope and Prospect Park over a woman who was walking her dog, her trusted dog, and an emotionally disturbed person attacked her, and the dog, Moose, took a stand, you know, and was not going to let that happen. And tangled with the emotionally disturbed guy who had a stab. And then the emotionally disturbed guy ended up killing the dog. Now, you would think, right, it makes common sense, like, okay, you know, this is bad. We got to get that emotionally disturbed person out of Prospect Park because he's been menacing women and the dogs that they walk each and every day. Prospect Park, so gorgeous. I'll get into it. Fully in the 10 o'clock hour. But apparently uh, the uh, Brooklyn progressives are at each other's throats. And you know what caused them to really get angry? wasn't the fact that an emotionally disturbed guy killed this hero dog, Moose, who protected the woman who had raised him. But that somebody had reached out to me, Curtis Lee, the fascist. Who knows how to organize community patrols, right? I have been doing it over 40 years, 13 countries, 130. How could you have reached out to him? And subsequently, what happened? The whole effort, unfortunately, crashed and burned. But we're going to give you the blow-by-blow details of how progressives in Brooklyn don't want you to call the police. Don't want you to do anything. Don't want you to deal with the emotionally disturbed. And even when a dog is murdered, you would think the one thing that brings people together, brings people who love Trump, brings people who love Biden, brings people who love AOC, brings people who love any number of different political thoughts, brings them together. No, not in Park Slope, home of the man who single-handedly destroyed the city that we love, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, right? Put that as high. A full hour. There is so much in there that I think is indicative of why people are leaving this city, why we are slipping into the abyss, and why it is worse now than it was during any time of the eight years of Comrade Bill de Blasio. As crazy as that is. 108th Precinct. I can't believe this, Matt Blaze. You know what area it covers? It covers Whitestone and Flushing, right? Blue-collar, working-class areas, upper-class communities. A lot of people own their own homes. Predominantly white, predominantly Asian. Has had the biggest increase of crime in the city! 
than the whole city. More than East New York, 75th Precinct. More than the South Bronx. More than anywhere else in the city. Whitestone. Flushing. People are having vertical. They're like, what the hell is going on? Swagger man with no plan. Where are you? Nowhere. Nowhere to be found. You want to find the mayor? Club Zero Bond to the break of dawn. Crime Wave Kathy Holcomb. Nowhere to be found. We got so much to talk about, it's endless. I'm going to actually suggest to our owner and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis of our parent company, Red Apple Media, that I just sit here with a ticket tape, like, you know, it's Wall Street, and I just read off all the crimes that are taking place by the second. The worst crime today, two young men shot outside of Lee Zeldin's home in Shirley while his twin daughters are inside. While his dad and his mom have gone to the annual Columbus Day Parade that was resurrected and revived by the Italians, Albanians, and those from Montenegro and Morris Park in the Bronx. Unbelievable. And you know what Democrats say? It's just a perception. It's just a perception. In fact, why don't you listen to the mayor right now as he describes subway crime? It is just a perception. We have a safe subway system. Transit police officers, they have done their job. What we must do is remove the perception of fear. Cases like this aggravates the perception of fear. Uh, when you see homeless individuals with mental health issues not being attended to and given the proper services, that add to the perception of fear. And so what our battle is in the subway system is fighting the perception of fear. My God, how many times can you pop your piece? He said perception five times. And I noticed Democrat commentators, liberal commentators, I'm listening, and they're all using that sentence, the perception. Look at the analytics. Things were much better in the 70s, much worse in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. 2,000 murders a year. 5,000 people shot under whose administration? Mario Fatabruccia Cromo. King Cuomo the first, and David Dinkins. Need I say more? Wasn't a Republican in the House. It took Rudy Giuliani, Michael Baticich, and our partner here at WABC to save the city along with George Pataki. Twelve years of Republican leadership as governor, 20 years as mayor, eight with Rudy, 12 with Bloomberg, and when it came to law and order, the longest-serving police commissioner in uh, New York history, Ray Kelly, piloted the way. Thereafter, de Blasio, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, just like his father. Crime went up, quality of life went down, and the exodus to Florida continued. What more can I say to you, ladies and gentlemen? What more? Oh, I can say a lot. In fact, I don't have to say it. We brought this story to these airwaves two weeks ago at this very time when I received a video that had been embargoed by the MTA money-taking agency. They didn't want you to see this. The crime had occurred a week before. Remember, you've seen it now over and over ad nauseum. A woman who is running out of the A train that she took every morning from Far Rockaway, a mother of five married, who was working at JFK as a security officer. She would take the A train on her way to the city and get off at Howard Beach, where you then connect to the bus that takes you to JFK. There's a conduit there run by the MTA and the Port Authority. And then you notice this crazy black guy with these glow-in-the-dark red sneakers 
beating the hell out of her. He bashed her in the head with a bottle, threw her up against the token booth, kicked her, punched her. Nobody in the token booth. No cops. Nobody. Like it's always the case in the city nowadays. And then a guy comes through the turnstile and distracts this monster of mayhem, this cretin with chromosome damage, this mutant. And momentarily he's distracted, and the moment the other guy leaves, he goes back to beating the hell out of the woman, bashing her head over and over. And then she made a plea from a home in Far Rockaway that she's now afraid to leave, and she's under medical treatment in which she may lose one of her eyes. Her appeal is to the mayor. Do something, Mayor. Do you know how scared I am now? I was never a person to be scared. I can't see anything on my right side, honestly. And it just hurts. It's an incident in the subway. What happened to all these police officers? They said they will have there to protect us, to be there. There's, like, nobody to be found. I, I don't understand. Nobody does. They lie to us every day. The most recent, the missing in action police commissioner, Sewell, who refuses to move from Nassau County into the city, which you have to do after six months. You're the police commissioner. You must be living in the five boroughs of the city of North. She basically said, I'm not moving into the city. Why? Too much crime. Ha! That's probably why she's afraid to move into the city. And she assures us that thousands of men and women will be flushing through the subway system, police officers. Bull feathers. Bull feathers. And you know what Eric Adams' response to that mother of five was? As he's now saying with all of his sycophants, toadies, and lackeys at the police department. Our battle is in the subway system is fighting the perception of fear. The perception of fear. He had to make his way out to the, uh, the funeral parlor in Comac, Long Island. I was there. I went to pay my respects to Alison Russo. You remember how she was savagely killed in the streets of Astoria. On 21st and 41st, half a block from the EMS depot. She was going for a quick sandwich. Some of the elected officials uh, said, oh, uh, she was off duty. And the union had to straighten them out real quick at the same press time. She's always on duty. She had a radio a uniform, you idiots. They had no idea. These are the people, the elected officials. They all show up like they're concerned. I got the laundry list of everybody who didn't show up at a wake in Comac. And then the burial service the very next day. And it's a long, long list that I'll be going into in the next few days. A long list. And then remember, while all of that was happening, a woman named Caban... A protege and acolyte of AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the justice warriors who want to destroy the police, defund the police, destroy the prisons, defund the prisons, was telling merchants in Astoria, that same area, two weeks before, never, ever, 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 ever call the police. And the merchant would say, what happened? If there's a crazy person outside and he's threatening me and he's got a knife or he's got a bat, don't call 911. Call 311. <laughs> and then what happened with Caban? She's in her office in Astoria. Across the street, two masked gunmen are on a motorcycle. They get up outside of a cafe. There are people outside, you know, who are hipsters and millennials saying, oh, 
We're having a nice cup of coffee. Uh, it's such a beautiful day. And they put guns in these whitey, McWhitey, whitey's faces, said, your money and your life. And where was Caban? Hiding under her desk in her office with all of her Democratic Socialist assistants. They never called the police. And she says, well, that's keeping it real. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then to finish off, I must applaud the mother and the father of Alison Russo, who was laid to rest at 61, just months before her retirement from the FDNY as a lieutenant. The mother and father were in wheelchairs at the funeral parlor. They gave hell to Eric Adams. The mother rose up, said, you, I thought you were a lifelong police officer. You know how to make the safe, the city safe. Make the city safe. Do your freaking job. The mayor couldn't say anything. Surrounded by everybody who was there to pay respect. And he nodded his head. She said, I want our city back. I want our city back. And then her husband, you know who showed up? Tish James came in, attorney general of the state of New York. I want to sue Trump. I want to sue Trump. Is Trump here? I want to sue him. Are there any relatives of Trump here? I want to sue, sue, sue Trump. And the father gave her so much, I can't repeat his language, that he directed at Tish James, who all arrogantly just stood and took it. Oh, it was so difficult to stand there as the top elected law enforcement official in New York to be screamed at, do your freaking jobs! By the way, she's in favor of Nobel. Consider that she's running on November 10th. Consider the uh, opposite. In fact, vote all Republican. Make it very simple. All Republican, they're for law and order. And the Democrats, what are they for? Disorder and no law. It's obvious this is the subject of this election cycle, not just here, but all over our country. The choice is simple. The Democrats don't want you to call 911. Oh, we'll discuss that in the next hour because the local city council person told all of her constituents in Park Soap, those who surround Prospect Park, never, ever, ever call 911. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I see what you're wearing. There's nothing beneath it. Forgive me for staring. Forgive me for breathing. We might not know why. We might not know how. But baby, tonight we're beautiful now. We're beautiful now.
Well, I don't know if it's a beautiful night for Mets fans. I don't know if it's a beautiful night for anyone. Because just looking at all the headlines, it's crime, crime, and more crime. And not just in the five boroughs of the city of New York, but throughout our tri-state area all over our country. This country in which it's America, the land of the free, the home of the brave. And it doesn't seem that our officials are brave at all. They won't let our cops do their job and be brave, so it's up to us. We're going to have to fill the void, ladies and gentlemen. I've never waited for the officials. I've never waited for the cops. I just say you got to go out and do it. And you got to improve, not move. I realize for some of you, you can't hang around. You want to sell your house. You want to get the hell out of town. I get it. But that's what they want, ladies and gentlemen. That's what AOC, the DSA, want. They want all of us who believe in law and order, quality of life to leave. Then this becomes their playground. Then they take down the flag of capitalism on Wall Street. It's the epicenter of capitalism around the world. And they put up the flag of socialism. And then they call it social justice, uh, restorative uh, justice. They will completely pervert everything that America stands for. I've shed too much blood in this city to all of a sudden cut and run and retreat. I am going to fight for what I know is right. And the way you fight, you may not have the physical ability like I do. But you vote on November 8th. And don't tell me the election is rigged and it's, it's not worth voting. Look at it. This is all about quality of life, safety. This is about your children, your grandchildren, your grandparents. It's a clear vote. You vote for Zeldin, and you're voting for law and order. You vote for Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, and you're voting for more crime. Simple. And this is the answer that Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb has uh, prepared, along with Eric Adams, his swagger man with no plan. Uh, in terms of frightening criminals out of the subway. Yes, Matt Blaze, announcements will scare them out of the subway. 80% rise in crime. And who has emerged? The Missing in Action Police Commissioner Sewell has made a announcement I've already heard on some of the trains and some of the platforms. And I can just imagine the homeboys gathered up, roaming the trains, gangs now, saying, oh, I better not commit crime. Let me, let me hear that, Matt. Let me hear that. Hello. I'm NYPD Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell. New York relies on its subway system like no other city in the nation. And your NYPD officers are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to keep it safe. Enjoy your ride. And thank you for choosing mass transit. I was on the B train the other day. People heard that, and they were laughing. And they were laughing. And then when I was on the D train, which is considered rated by the strap hangers, the worst in the city, I concur. 205th on Perry Avenue in the Bronx, all the way to Coney Island, Stillwell Avenue. And I heard her say this in recorded messages that you will hear on platforms in the subway system in the foyers and in the moving trains itself. Hello, I'm NYPD Commissioner Kishant Sewell. We have increased officers on trains and platforms so that you can ride safely knowing that we are here to help. If you see something, say something. Now, when she says we have police officers in the system, people were listening to that saying, Curtis, 
Does she think we're all schmucks, putzes, that we're stupid? There's no cops in the subways. There's none. I haven't seen any in the subways, and I'm in the subways all the time. And occasionally when I do see a cop, you know, the new ones are like four foot eight. You know, no hats. Nobody wears a hat, so you can't even identify them at a distance. I don't know what the hell they did with the hats. Maybe they got it between the crease of their tuchus. Put your freaking hats on. That's how we identify you as police officers. But they're not being permitted to do the job any longer. So I have made my own announcement. I'm offering it up to uh, the MTA money-taking agency that is run by Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, who knows nothing about subways, nothing about buses. I'm going to bring it down to J Street Borough Hall on Tuesday because, naturally, there's nobody at J Street Borough Hall, MTA headquarters, tomorrow on Columbus Day. And this is the announcement that will make a difference. If there can't be cops and we don't have enough guardian angels to be on every moving subway and every platform, I guarantee you this will do the trick. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. This is Curtis Lewa. As if you didn't even know, I am the sheriff of the MTA, the money-taking agency. And that means you don't listen to John Franco. Take the freaking mask off. The president said the pandemic is over. And, yo, that photo recognition technology, you're all on film. I'm going to know quickly if you're a criminal or not. And those guys who are trying to prove they don't have erectile dysfunction, put your three-piece set in your pants, you pervs. And if you try to commit the crime, whatever it is, I'm going to hit you so hard, your grandmother will feel the vibration. So, you want to deal with me? Or you want to just sit down, mind your own business, and get off at your stop, and don't bust anybody's chops. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, which uh, announcement do you think will be more effective in terms of deterring the enemies of society, the gangbangers, the thugs, the green aliens that you saw stomping those two young girls at 42nd Street on the end train? I mean, aliens, you know where they were from? Queensbridge Projects. You know who was born and raised in the Queensbridge Projects? Largest public housing project in America. The police commissioner, Sewell, who didn't even go there to go looking for them. Oh, God. We're in a hot mess. By the way, uh, where is the uh, mayor, the swagger man with no plan? Oh, hanging out with French Montagna, the Coke boy, a guy who used to bring in kilos. Kilo, what, what, what would you be hanging out with him for? And Ja Rule and convicted felons. If you were a cop, if you were back being a cop, Eric, they'd have your badge, they'd have your gun, you'd be fired. But then again, remember, you all thought he was going to bring law and order to the city, right? Psych. All I got to do is say, the highest reporting crime precincts now that have had the greatest growth of crime Whitestone and Flushing. If that doesn't tell you anything, nothing will. Well, guess what? I'm going to put Guardian Angels in Whitestone and Flushing. I'm not going to surrender that part of the city that's composed of hardworking, blue-collar, working-class, whites, Hispanics, Asians, and blacks. Hell no! We're not giving up Whitestone. We're not giving up Flushing. I'm drawing the Maginot line. That's right. 
War against the criminals. Politicians, step aside. Police, I understand you can't do your job. So just let those who know how to do the job like we've been doing for years step forward. Turn your eyes. Our tactics are a little, they're not necessarily genteel. 1-800-848-9222. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I just wanted you to know. Swiss only let the beat rock. A lot of you got all excited. You saw Yeezy, right? Kanye West. Show him on Fox News, right? Tucker Carlson. You're like, oh, yeah. He speaks for me. He's anti-abortion. And he wore that shirt, White Lives Matter, and he spit in the face of Black Lives Matter, which has become... Big, large mansions, along with Candace Owens, right, at the fashion show in Paris. In fact, his shirt had John Paul the Pope on the front, White Lives Matter on the back. And you were listening to him, and you said, man, I'd vote him for president. Because remember, Yeezy wanted to run for president, right? And then all of a sudden, mm, the guy's a nut job. He's crazy. I've told you that. He tells you he's bipolar. He flips the script. All of a sudden, you know, he's <clears throat> communicating with uh, P. Diddy saying, Oh, so you're siding with those Jews against me, huh? Taking that Jewish money, huh? Uh-oh, Zuckerberg said, You're off Instagram because of that. And all of a sudden, Kanye said, Yo, I thought you were mine. I can't say that word. Man, we used to sing karaoke together in Palo Alto, which is true. By the way, he was at Club Zero Bond two weeks ago with the swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams. I wonder what he's going to say. So all of a sudden, Elon Musk, who's a nut job himself, he said, Welcome, Kanye. Welcome to Twitter. They don't want, the Zuck don't want you on Instagram. Come on over to Twitter. It's been two years you've been away. We missed you. So Kanye goes, Okay. Thank you, Elon. Can't wait to see you soon. And then he puts out his first tweet. I'm declaring World War III against all Jews because I'm a real Jew. He's, give, he's kicking black Hebrew Israel nonsense saying, Ashkenazi, Sephardic Jews, you fake Jews. I'm a real Jew. Uh, all of a sudden, his Twitter account was suspended by Elon Musk. Mr. First Amendment, free rights of free speech. Don't listen to Elon Musk. Don't listen to the Zuck. Don't listen to Kanye West. Come on, are you people? Yeah, like sheep. Eh, 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 eh. Ooh, ooh, Kanye. Oh, oh, God, I want to elect him president. It's a nut job, right? Remember, George W. Bush hates black people. Oh, look at you, Ken. You're like, yeah, yeah, let me wear that white lives matter. I'll do the fashion walk. You ever notice on those fashion runs like in Paris, Milan, New York, whether they're men, women, non-binary, or one of 72 different gender identifications, they all walk up and down like they got a stickball bat shoved up their tuchus. Nobody walks like that. Nobody. So, Ken, if you want to wear the White Lives Matter shirt there, right, 
Oh, oh, now, oh, no. Uh. I said, whoa, whoa, now he's toxic. Before he was on Fox News, right, with Tucker Carlson. He's God. Oh, he's the second coming, the Mashiach, our elected president. Now it's like Kanye who? I never knew him. Don't want to know him. No, no, anti-Semite. Oh, my God. What the hell is going on? Drop like a bad habit. Elon Musk, welcome, Kanye. You've been two years away. Love you. Can't wait to meet with you. Within 24 hours, one tweet. I'm going to war against Jews because I'm the only real Jew, black Hebrew Israelite that I am. Yo, fake Jews. Um, well, uh, Kanye, uh, you can forget having dinner with me, and in fact, I'm going to have to suspend your Twitter account. I just spent $44 billion to guarantee free speech, but your free speech is going to cost me billions. So guess what? Your persona non grata. Come on, never believe these people. Paid six people, you're going to believe these paid six people. Elon Musk, the Zuck, Kanye West, the swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams. They're for gazes. Enough of this. Oh, Kanye, I always hated him as a rapper. Anyway, he was soft to begin with. Anyway, let's go to the phones here. And uh, Paul, who's calling from Westwood, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paul. What's up there, Curtis? Coming to look, look for you tomorrow. We're going to be over at a hotel in the city. Uh, which one? The Milford Plaza, where all the illegal aliens are staying at $700 a night? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, actually, I'll be opposite uh, the Plaza Hotel. We'll be Plaza, bro- yes. Yes, we'll be broadcasting there from 59th and 5th. I've got the first shift, uh, which is from 12 to 1. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to jump on with the Guardian Angels, some of whom are from Italy. I have Guardian Angels in Italy in seven cities, including on the island of Sardinia, because of all the illegal alien problems that they have. And we will be paying tribute to Christopher Columbus along with everybody at WABC and our listeners. That sounds like a plan. Good, good. So I hope to see you there. Let's go to Patricia, who's calling from Brooklyn. You're trying to be heard here at WABC. Patricia. Hey, Curtis. I am, like, so horrified that Lee Zeldin goes out, goes to a parade, and there's shops, and people are, like, bleeding on the kid's lawn. And those poor kids, his twins, they have to hide in the bathroom in the tub? What the hell? Yeah, not only that, remember, remember when he was campaigning outside of Rochester not too long ago in Monroe County at that VFW hall, remember he was on the stage... And the crazy guy came up and tried to slice his jugular. Luckily, Lee, very good, he grabbed his wrist, and then everybody else on the stage jumped on the guy. Now, it turned out he was emotionally disturbed. But our candidate for governor, Lee, is experiencing what a lot of New Yorkers are experiencing, whether in Buffalo or Brooklyn or the suburbs, crime in their neighborhoods, attacks against them, attacks against their families. So he's the excellent messenger because now he's felt the pain, Patricia. He feels the pain of what a lot of other New Yorkers are feeling. Curtis, may I just end this by saying, don't blame me. I voted for you and Nancy. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. In fact, Nancy ran for attorney general against Tish James uh, when I was the Reform Party chairman. (sighs) She got more votes than Malinaro did for Governor on our line, Molinaro from Dutchess County. Got to elect him congressman. We got, we need him as, in Congress. But Nancy actually did better than Molinaro. 
We had endorsed Molinaro for governor, Nancy for attorney general. She got more votes than Molinaro. Animal rights. We're going to be talking about that 11 or 12. You see, people put aside their political opposition to you over dogs or cats or other animals. You know, you could be for Trump, for Biden. You could be apolitical. They love animals, except not in Park Slope or Prospect Park. This story that I'm going to be relating to you in the 10 o'clock hour has gotten more attention because it's progressives battling progressives. Oh, boy. I want to say one thing. Let's go to Leah in Newark. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Leah. Hi, Curtis. It's always good to speak to you. I just want to uh, tell you that I heard you this morning on the Rev and the Rabbi. And I'm really glad you mentioned that you weren't uh, on their program before the election. No, and I will always hold it to the day I die against well, Rabbi. Wait a minute, Curtis. Yes. Did you hear? Did you hear the response you got from the Reverend? No. That you weren't on because they wanted to protect you. I wasn't. Now let me quantify this for our listeners. Sunday mornings, and remember, I'm on all weekend long. It's always broadcasting, Curtis. There's Rabbi Joe Batasnik, who's actually been here the longest-running talk show host since we flipped from Stacks of Wax to Talk. Joe Batasnik uh, was on Religion on the Line first, and uh, Reverend Bernard has joined him recently. During my campaign against Eric Adams, they didn't have me on. They had Eric Adams on like every week. Like every week, they were kissing his tukas, you know. It's like they were giving him J.C. benedictions, Hashem benedictions. I told Rabbi Joe, you'll pay for this, you and Pastor Bernard. Now, Pastor Bernard, I have a problem, right? There's a parking lot there. It's right on Flatlands and Pennsylvania Avenue where East New York meets Canarsie. High crime. I understand that they've had some problems there lately. Hey, why don't you call up Eric Adams now, swagger man with no plan? He ain't in the pew of your church like you had him every week talking to your parishioners. He's too busy at Club Zero Bond getting wine dined in pocket lines. His religion? Nightlife. Because he loves to sample the product. His words. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. No sleep till! From Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. So I know uh, all Jews out there wondering, did Hashem write them into the Book of Life? Because if he didn't, some point next year, you're dead. It's like in Goodfellas, right? You know, you run to the phone. Hashem, do I get to live? Ah, sorry, you're dead. Nothing I can do. You're dead. So uh, here's a perfect example. Beastie Boys, right? Young Jewish uh, guys who went to NYU, became uh, violets 
Just like Frank Morano, that uh, Mama Luke, what the hell would you want to be called a violet for? But anyway, a very successful um, rap group, right? It took seven years for city council to give them a little plaque on Rivington Street in the Lower East Side. Seven years. You know why? Because they're Jews. Uh, 36 chambers out there. Wu-Tang Clan uh, took them uh, six weeks. Biggie Small, six days. But the Jews had to wait seven years. Rivington Street. And it was amazing because uh, right before Yom Kippur, the highest, most solemn holiday... On the Jewish calendar, city council sends out emails to all constituents, Jewish constituents, because, you know, they have it bifurcated according to your religion, your ethnic group, whether you're a non-binary, whether you're a heterosexual, homo. Yeah, they got it all that figured out. And it said, Happy Yom Kippur, and it had the menorah. Happy Yom Kippur, and it had the menorah. They hate Jews in the city council, right? It's like a skit, right? Right, right? Oh, we're sorry. Who did they have? Some Democrat socialists of America who wants to destroy the state of Israel, send that out? You know, sort of subliminally, hey, we'll get you. Yeah, you'll be lighting candles on the menorah. In fact, you'll be impaling yourself with a menorah after we get through with you. Took seven years for the Beastie Boys, right, to be a little plaque on Rivington Street. Oh, Biggie Small, six days. A Wu-Tang, a Staten Island, six months. The Jews, seven years. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that to everybody's attention. Uh, so uh, put the Beastie Boys aside. I never do this, but for this, I have to do it. I probably have gotten more response to these articles, the first article and now the Post article. What I mean by the Post, not just the Post, but the Times. Everybody has written about this because it has pitted progressives against one another who live in and around Prospect Park. I mean, they are at each other's throats over the murder of a dog. And I would have thought that the murder of any animal would have brought them all together. It hasn't. They've declared war on one another. And let me give you the backstory because it is absolutely mind-boggling. Although, I predicted it. So it's Wednesday, August 23rd. I'm at the 18 restaurant, 81st Street, Upper East Side, invited by Leslie Shapiro and our board member of the Guardian Angels, Johnny Rivera, very good friend. They got crime problems on the Upper East Side. <gasps> Shocking. I walk in there. It's like I'm the prodigal son. Curtis, girl, you got to come to my block. I Curtis, they grab me. And I said to all of them, who'd you vote for? Don't lie to me. You voted for Eric Adams, right? Why don't you go knock on his door? And they said, well, he's staying at the Trump Tower across from the United Nations, the Altacacas, you know, the Yentas. I said, what do you mean he's staying at the Trump Tower opposite the United Nations? That's a 90-story building. They say he goes in and out of there every night. I'm telling you, Curtis, he doesn't even bother going through the garage. He gets out of the SUV. He walks in like he owns the joint. What the hell would he be doing there, right? So naturally, I talked to the Altacacas. You know, they've had a few or too many in them. Yeah, he hangs out with these two brothers there. Apparently, he's in their apartment. Oh, I said, oh, the two convicted felons from Brooklyn, the two guys, convicted felons, you know, they got a condo there. 
See, you got to always talk to the out the caucus, but wait till they've had a few Shirley Temples in them. That's all it takes, a few Shirley Temples and they blah, 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 blah. But a great reporter uh, was there, John Levine uh, of the New York Post, and he goes to me, Curtis, there's this guy I'm talking to over in Park Slope, and he was all um, for toots over you. He, he said, I want to do something for Prospect Park, like the Guardian Angels did years ago. Uh, I want to call him the, the uh, <laughs> this is great, <laughs> it was so good. The Park Slope Panthers. Prospect Park Panthers, Park Slope Panthers, you know. And we're going to have little berets like the Guardian Angels had. And then I asked John, I said, why? What's the problem? He goes, well, women are being harassed while they walk their dogs, and this one emotionally disturbed guy with a staff killed this dog. And the neighborhood is, they're all upset. They're all sitting shiver for the dog. I said, well, I'll tell you what, John, you just tell him, hey, if anything I could do to help, you know, this is what I've done all over the world, I'd be more than happy to help. He said, I'm sure the guy will be happy. It probably made the worst day of his life when he started mentioning my name and why he wanted to be like the Guardian Angels. In Park Slope, we'll get to that momentarily. But first off... Many of you out there, you grew up in Prospect Park. You went to Prospect Park. Prospect Park is much nicer than Central Park, much nicer. I mean, there are parts of uh, Prospect Park. It's like the last forest in New York City. It's a forested area, especially in the north. Not so much the south, but in the north. In fact, uh, when I was growing up, that was like a Sunday resort. You couldn't have a picnic in Central Park. How dare you? What are you doing here? You have a barbecue here? Not in Central Park, the conservatory. Out you go. But in Prospect Park, you know, you lay out the towel there, have your sandwiches, you know, your wicker basket. Not, not that you didn't have barbecues, but you could have a, you could actually have a picnic, and it was so nice. And I remember as a kid going ice skating there in the, uh, ice skating rink, and then you would pass the lake. The lake was there, and some of the intrepid ones would try to skate on the lake, and they had red flags up, like, don't do that. The ice is going to crack. You'll go down, and yeah, that's it. Oh, so good. And then the old parade grounds, man, you find a baseball field there. It was all lumpy and dumpy, and but at least you got a chance to play baseball. The band shell. Prospect Park Zoo, okay, it wasn't the Bronx Zoological, you know, mega turf uh, zoo up in the Bronx. But it was our zoo, the Prospect Park Zoo. It's great. There was a Quaker cemetery in the park. I remember looking at some of these tombstones, like 1,600, 1,700. I'm like, wow. Very small, very quaint. And at one time... It was in the third largest city in America. Brooklyn was its own city. People don't realize that. You had New York City, you had Philadelphia, and you had Brooklyn. Those were the three largest cities in America. And if you take the time to walk through Prospect Park like I have, especially in the north section, south section, uh, right when you hit Flatbush, can be very rough. A lot of crime there. In fact, I remember Prospect Park was in no man's land in the 1970s, they had crime everywhere, north side of the park, west side, east side, south side of the park. People weren't using it. 
I remember the Soldier and Sailor's Ark that is there right by Grand Army Plaza in honor of the Union soldiers and those members of the Navy who fought against slavery, defenders of the Union. And there was an artist, just to show you how crazy that neighborhood was, there was an artist who uh, got access to the arch and had a cop killer art uh, presentation in there, which he showed cops that had been shot, beheaded, and this was on our dot. I got arrested protesting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's a great history. Love Prospect Park. You can get lost in Prospect Park. You can look up in the sky. You see these magnificent trees. And you would never, ever know that you were in the city of New York. Frederick Law Olmsted created Central Park, but he created his masterpiece in Prospect Park. And it's surrounded. A lot of liberal progressives, DSA, Park Slope, Prospect Heights, Windsor Terrace, and then hardcore and Flatbush. Okay, so now you got the geography, right? About 600 acres. And there are a lot of people, they like to walk their dogs in the northern section of Prospect Park in the morning at about 6 a.m. And there are a lot of women who do that because there are a lot of people. They don't necessarily have the traditional family. You know, they're all different kinds of families. But the one thing that unites everybody is their love of pets, their love of dogs and walking dogs in the park. It creates a mutual admiration society. Now, I'm not going to suggest that somebody wears a MAGA hat. And they're walking their Pitbull Terrier or their Rottweiler or their Dobie. That they're going to have a lot of friends. But the point is, the animals bring people together. Not in Prospect Park. This is back in August, right? So John Levin of The Post writes this story. And it looked like everybody was going to get together in honor of this dog, Moose, who was killed by this emotionally disturbed guy with a staff who had been assaulting dog walkers, assaulting women, and threatening dogs for, like, years. He's like a troll. He lives in the park. And even the New York Times picked up this story. It became like, oh, my God. You know, it's like, you see, people in Park Slope, they get the New York Times on Sunday. They go to their little cafes, and they read the letters to the editor in the Sunday New York Times, and they argue over it. I mean, they read the New York Times from front cover to back cover. So the New York Times did this big piece, How a Dog's Killing Turned Brooklyn Progressives Against One Another. I predicted this. I told Nancy. I said, they're never going to get together. She said, but it's over the dogs. Curtis, you're so jaded. You're so skeptical. You know, you got so, you're, you're such a hard-headed guy. I said, Nancy, if there's one thing I know, it's Democrat progressives, DSAs. And I know that they can never agree on anything. They'll have meeting after meeting after meeting, and they'll agree to do bupkis, to do ugats. So let me set this up for you. It's a dog-loving enclave. I don't know many of you, if you've been in the north part of Prospect Park, you go there and, boy, dogs frolic. You know, they're licking each other's backsides. You know, they're like, they're friends with one another. No, No hostilities. And, you know, when it comes time for them to relieve themselves, they do it very gently, very genteel fashion. It seems to be almost like, and then it gets composted, right? Compost. That tells you right away what kind of community you are. Everything gets composted. Nothing goes to waste. And if you don't compost it, people, I fornicate you. They bird, you know, that has to be composted. Oh, yes, of course, we're going to (laughs) compost. Like a... 
So there's a woman named Jessica. It was August 3rd. She's 40 years old, a professional beekeeper, right? I mean, look, you're elevated if you're a beekeeper. I mean, even the queen's bees, when she died, the beekeeper had to talk to them and let them know the queen had died. He actually had a conversation with them. Uh, I don't want to digress. So she's walking her dog in Prospect Park a little after 6 a.m. when she sees a man rifling through the garbage outside the picnic house. I love the picnic house over there. It's so good. All of those edifices are so good. Ten times better than anything in Central Park. And she had seen this guy before, tall with dreadlocks, wrapped in a turban, carrying a long staff, and often muttering to himself or cursing. And she normally kept her distance. But on that particular morning, there was no room to avoid him. She was trapped. Jessica was trapped. This crazy guy starts yelling about immigrants taking over the park. Now, you would think all the progressives there, right, immediately in parks, so what? He's against immigrants? They've changed our lives, these Venezuelans. Our life, they've enhanced our life. But now, pack your bags and get the hell out of it. So even the crazy guy is saying, get rid of the immigrants in Prospect Park, right? They're not upset about that. He said, because they're taking over the park. Now... I'm going to have to look into that a little further. With all the Venezuelans running all over Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens, they might well have taken over Prospect Park. I'm going to have to check that out. Then he grabs a bottle of what she later thought Jessica thought was urine and threw it at her and her dog. She tried to run away, but Moose, her 80-pound golden retriever, stood his ground. It's like Florida, right? Standing your ground. And as he tried to get at her, Jessica, swinging the staff, Moose, the golden retriever, was straining towards him, barking, and basically saying in dog talk, back off, back off, buddy. So he takes that staff and he swings it at the dog and he hits the dog over and over again, causing damage. But the dog continues to stand his ground, Moose. God, the golden retriever. Jessica runs. The golden retriever and the emotionally disturbed guy are together. And he will not allow him to get close to her. I mean, I mean, there's, there's no kind of loyalty other than what a dog does for the person that is part of their family. And he hits the dog in the snout a few times. And then all of a sudden, somebody else shows up, a woman named Mary... 56, a hospital manager who was walking her dog nearby. She heard the crack of wood on bone and came running towards them, screaming at the man to get away. Both women called 911. Four patrol cars arrived within minutes, but by then the man was gone. Moose was bleeding all over from his mouth and pulling to get home. He knew, Moose knew instinctively he was in trouble. So Jessica said my whole focus at that point was on caring for him. It wasn't a jump in the car and ride around with the cops and look for the crazy guy. Totally understood. I mean, let's face it, right? Moose put his life on the line. He stood his ground for Jessica. So all of a sudden, the cops are going through the park. No luck. Couldn't find this guy because he's a troll. He lives in the park. You know, he knows every nook, cranny, and corner. 
Turns out that Moose had a shattered tooth that needed to be pulled. So Jessica posted a description of the encounter on the neighborhood social network Nextdoor. Right? Everybody has now social networking. She posted on Nextdoor, warning others about the man and asking them to report any sightings to the police. Her post elicited more than 280 comments in the coming weeks, mostly expressing sympathy. A total stranger on the forum offered to make her a bracelet with the name Moose on it, right? So there's solidarity. They're there for Moose. They're there for Jessica. Unfortunately, the dog, the golden retriever Moose, developed sepsis from a perforated intestine for defending Jessica, caused by blow after blow. After emergency surgery, Moose died. The community was sitting shiver. Kill a person, right? And they, they don't care. Kill an animal, and that's like, I mean, everything stops. Weeks passed, and the man who attacked the dog was still at large. People on the social networking site next door, working from Jessica's description, posted that they had seen him in one part of the park or another. Jessica, who used to visit the park four times a day, now found it too traumatic to enter unless absolutely necessary. She was especially frustrated that the emotionally disturbed perp, who was well known to people in the park, had not been arrested. Quote, she said, you have a person who is walking around the park who is violent and needs to be removed. He's known by the community. It's totally disheartening. It was a random incident and might once have been discussed by a group of dog owners, but now it had a forum for a much wider community with arguments about policing, vigilantism. I wonder if that's me. Homelessness, mental health care, and progressive obstinacy all feeding into a conversation that evolved beyond the crime that set it off. So all of a sudden, they're all for Jessica They're all sitting shiver for moose. The golden retriever did the right thing, and now they turn. It's a conflict of values between wanting security and social justice. Isn't that what's going on in our city and our state? You have one group of people who want security and the others who don't want the police involved. All they keep screaming is social justice. AOC all out crazy and her followers. And they're saying we can deal with them in a compassionate way or not a compassionate way. So progressives are divided over it. There's no conservatives there. There's no MAGA hat wearing it. No, this park slope. <laughs> it's all progressives. And then all of a sudden, Jessica posts about the attack again. And the responses are good. And people are saying, why aren't the police arresting them? But gradually other voices emerged. A vocal minority asked why Park Slope residents, mostly white, were calling for the police to take down a man who appeared to be homeless and emotionally disturbed. Others called the man a monster or a predator. They probably uh, are callers here to WABC, right? That's the kind of vernacular here. The others were like calling WNYC, NPR, you know. It's like, no, no, you know, we have to... We have to have emotional resolve for this guy. Others are calling him a psychopath. Others are calling him misunderstood. And then they start saying, 
you know, you're starting to develop a vigilante attitude like that guy Curtis Sliwa. Right? I, I haven't even, I'm not even involved in this. I'm not even involved in this. So another person on the thread urges people to put their emotions aside and consider. Now get this. This is a justice warrior. Consider 400 years of systematic racism, which has prevented black people from building generational wealth through home ownership, resulting in the extreme disparity we see today. Arresting the man, he wrote, would solve none of that. But all the affluence in Park Slope, he posted, maybe critics should raise money to help the man, not throw him to the lethal jail system from which he would most likely emerge even more dangerous or possibly not emerge at all. And so now the tide is turning. The progressives are no longer sitting chilling. They're no longer interested in the victim, Jessica, or the demise of Moose, the Irish setter who stood his ground. It's easy to say that you're for prison reform and you're a liberal until it happens to you. When it happens to you, you have to deal with it. You have to take a step back. Even in the heated situation where her dog died, what does this do to the larger scheme of things? It becomes like debated. Not like we got a crazy guy in the park. We got to get him out of there. We got to get him help so that he doesn't go off and do damage to himself and other dogs. And other people walking their dogs. None of that. So Jessica says to all of them who are turning on her now, look, this guy killed my dog and attacked me. He's a risk to everyone. So she asked people on this forum, please, if you saw the man, call 911 and to send her photographs so she could confirm that it was really him. We're not rats. We don't call the cops. Tough noogies. See? That's what happened in Astoria. In the aftermath of the EMT, right? 61 years old, being stabbed savagely. 20 times. Allison Russo. And what did the, uh, the hipsters and millennials who follow Caban and AOC say, never, never, never call the police. This is their mantra. Though most of the people on this uh, site were supportive, some of the commentary and messages disturbed Jessica. She was accused of not cooperating with the people and wanting to just call the police. Some suggested that she did not deserve a dog because she had not protected Moose. She said, people are horrible. So she finally gets the sketch. It's put up on next door and police officers posted in the park, prompting more reports of sightings. And then all of a sudden, a guy says, when I saw the post, it really triggered me. And I got to tell you, yeah, you're calling the police. You're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. And the Park Slope Panthers, although they had not existed yet, are vigilantes. We must side with the emotionally disturbed black man. We must protect him from the horde of those who want to incarcerate him and prevent him from living in the park. (gasps) 
And what really triggered the Democrats, progressives, and liberals was the name Park Slope Panthers, right? If you ever been to Prospect Park, you see the Panthers, you know, the uh, Stone Panthers. Very well done. Very well. Very good uh, sculpture. The group name triggered them, which was an immediate flashpoint. A white financial services guy using the Panther name to take action against a black man. At the group's first and only meeting, the scattering of potential volunteers was met by a group who said, You can't call yourself Panthers. You're culturally appropriating an image that was associated with the Black Panthers. Burn, baby, burn! This is all over a dog who's been murdered. All over a dog. Moose who's been murdered. They totally don't give a damn about Moose anymore or Jessica. And then you have the poor guy, right? The poor guy who's tried to organize the Pink Panthers, whatever the Panthers they are, the Park Slow, Prospect Park Panthers, I forget the name of them, is a guy named Christian. He's 59, he's gay, previously involved in ACT UP and Occupy Sandy, a Quaker background, committed to progressive causes, and works in sustainable financing. He formed a group after noticing nothing was happening, indicating a neighborhood watch group to take our community back. The goal was to provide a visual deterrent in the park at hours when women would feel most vulnerable, like 6 to 9 in the morning. The group's name raised dislike, a cultural appropriation argument, even though the park is graced by statues of panthers. And really, if you've ever been in Prospect Park, those are impressive panthers. Of course, the name had to be read into by these folks, And then he dropped the bomb. He said, I've been motivated by what I saw in the 70s and 80s and 90s by the guardian angels and Curtis Sliwa, how they took the city back. And, oh, my God, he had no support. They were writing on his sidewalk outside of his brownstone, don't be a cop, K-O-P, don't be a rat. Don't be a fascist. The poor guy, he just wanted to protect women walking their dogs at 6 to 9 in the morning in the north part of Prospect Park. Now the guy's afraid to come out of his house because of justice warriors. And then finally they turn to their city council person. Right? You figure, hey, maybe government can help because the cops are being told, we don't need your help. Don't call 911. So they turn to their city council representative, Shahana Hanif, a DSA person. Uh-oh. And the organizer of the uh, Pink Panthers, what are they called, Park Slope Panthers, whatever they are, was told straight up, we don't want police involved in this. I'm telling you. We don't believe the NYPD is the vehicle to bring safety to our community. This is the city councilwoman! When it comes... To this individual, they're clearly a present danger danger to others and most likely themselves and figured out how we can safely de-escalate this situation without putting anyone else in danger. It's a very complicated issue. We're going to have to have a series of meetings over this, but don't you dare start the Pink Panthers, Park Slope Panthers, or whatever Panthers it is, and don't you ever 
mention the name Curtis Sleep again. I, 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 I had nothing to do with this, right? I just say I told her, right, hey, if he needs some advice, I'll be more than happy to be a consigliere. I've been doing this 44 years all over the world. They went absolutely eclectic. So what was a really good idea to protect women and especially dogs is not going to happen. Because now that's considered a problem that the community would want to patrol the area to protect women and dogs who were being attacked by this emotionally disturbed black guy with dreadlocks and a schmata on his head and a staff who's done it again and again and again. I think that's why this article got so much attention when it first came out in the Post, John Levin, and now as it's been summarized by the New York Times, as they have indicated that since August, all these organizing attempts have gone asunder. So now they have Ugats, they have Bupkis. In the 11 o'clock hour, we will speak to Nancy Sliwa, who actually attended the meeting incognito and didn't say anything. And she looked like one of them. You know, if you've ever seen Nancy, she's a hipster millennial. I still don't know how old she is. She's somewhere in her 30s. She lived in Sunset Park. She used to take her Pee Wee Herman bike. She knows Prospect Park like the back of her hand. There's nobody friendlier towards animals. She can make sounds. The dogs will come running. The cats. I mean, she's, she would have been the perfect person to offer advice, help, and possibly join. Because she loves Prospect Park. Wait till you hear what happened when they said, and what's your name at the end of the meeting? And she said, Nancy Sliwa. <gasps> It was the only thing they could agree on. You keep that Curtis Lee out of this park. They don't want to see one Red Beret, one Guardian Angel. Ladies and gentlemen, this says it all. This said, we, We're not even willing to protect women and dogs. We're not willing to call 911. We got to fight. Now, you know how I am. I take this as a personal insult. So guess what? You didn't want any Red Berets. You didn't want Curtis Lewa. You didn't want the Guardian Angels. Now you're going to be seeing them morning, noon, and night. Because you're not willing to protect the women and the dogs. And we will. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This gives you a feel for why. We are in the fight of our lives. If the Democratic Socialists of America win this battle, the AOCs, the Cabans of the world, this Hanana, or whatever the hell her name is in Park Slope, then you might as well pack up your bags and leave. But if men out there, where are the real men? Right? Look down your trousers. You got a pair of cocktail onions? You're going to be scared away? You're not going to protect your women folk the way I was raised by my father, Chester, he said... You protect the women, the children, the infirm, the elderly. That's a man's role. Doesn't mean women can't do it. Doesn't mean others. But that is the function of a man, to protect those who cannot protect themselves. So, Dad, I know you're high in the sky. You took me to the Prospect Park Zoo when I was five years old. I love the lake. I love going ice skating there. 
I owe it to Prospect Park. I love Prospect Park. I really love it more than Central Park. I love it more than uh, Van Cortland Park. Those are beautiful parks. But the best park in the city of New York with a forest, there's still a forest there, is Prospect Park. And we've got to save the park and save the women and save the little doggies. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. W-A-B-C. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Like mighty oak trees, they line a shaded well the souls that have walked beside me, I can see that looking back. You think those hipsters and millennials, those progressives in Park Slope would appreciate little Hank Williams Jr. singing about the mighty oak tree? No, I don't think so. Hey, I, I never play country music here, right? But I love this song, Mighty Oak Tree. I love Prospect Park because of the trees. You look up, you don't even know you're in the city. I mean, it's a forest in the northern part of the park. It has to be preserved. And we have to protect the women who are walking their dogs. If we can't do that, we might as well just wave the white flag. Take over AOC. The men will flee. And the socialists will win. And the city that we love will continue to be assaulted and destroyed. Oh, God. And look. You know, normally I would be dancing all over the bones of Med fans, but I'm not going to do that tonight. You lost 6 nothing because I hate the San Diego Padres even more than I hate the Mets because of Manny Machado. He's roided up. He looks like Conseco. I hated him when he was a Baltimore Orioles. And the Yankees almost wasted their money on him. I saw him dancing and prancing the other night at City Field, and I said, you know something? I'm actually going to ease off of the Mets. But I'm blaming this loss on two people here at WABC. Anthony Weiner, my partner on Saturdays, 3 to 4, who he wanted to rename the Cy Young Award the DeGrom Award. Although I must say he pitched magnificently last night. He's, he's damaged. I mean, he's thrown a lot of pitches. I don't know if they gave him anabolic steroids, roids. They did something. Cortisone. But they lost 6 nothing tonight. Oh, I so want, but I'm not. Because I've already told all of you that the Yankees are not getting into the World Series. They're not. Not when you have Aaron Boone as your manager. Look, Aaron Judge, great job. Aaron Rodgers, hey, with Green Bay, you, you freaky-deaky guy. In Green, you lost to the uh, Giants, right? Uh, but sports is just not important. We got to save our city. We got to save our state. We got to save our country. You know, sports, it's great. 
It gets us to sort of uh, detach from reality, but he got blown away 6 nothing. Mets fans. What happened to the polar bear, Alonzo, right? What the hell did he freeze up? Lindor, you know, the guy who likes to peroxide his hair blonde. I always wonder about guys like that. Remember when you had Alomar there from Cleveland and gets into a fight with Dotel in the, uh, in the dugout over who's blonder? Now, look, uh, let me just say, I really can't question the manhood and the sexuality of somebody who actually get into their bathtub and their bottles of peroxide that are floating around like little duckies, you know. For women, okay. For men, come on, really, guys? But I'll stop. Because I know what this is like as a Met fan. It's like salt on the wounds. You had uh, your miracle in 69. The coked-up Mets won in 86 against all odds. And I was like Switzerland during that World Series because they were playing the Red Sox. And I hate them both equally. That's it. It's over. And Steve Cohen, you belong in jail, the owner. You know, insider trading information. And I knew it was going to go south. The moment you said to Mets fans, you promised them whatever it takes, I'll spend whatever amount of money, billions if necessary, and then a month later, you amended that, realizing we're going into a recession. You said, I'm capping out at $300 million. Psych! I said it right here. Oh, that's it. They, they're not getting into the World Series. The guy, he promised he should be in jail. He's got billions because of insider trading information. And then he fakes out Met fans. But you know something? I'm not going to cry for you, Met fans. The reason I'm holding back is one reason, one reason alone. In honor of our colleague Bernard McGurk, who is a tried and true Mets fan. I remember having arguments with him in the hallways, Mets versus Yankees. He never surrendered. He never retreated. He told me straight up, I hate the Yankees. And I told him, I hate the Mets. That's real baseball fans. These fake, phony politicians, oh, I like the Mets, but I also like the Yankees. Get out of here. You're no real fan. You can't like both. So in honor of Bernard McGurk, true Met fan, through all the tough times, I'm going to lay off. Because, boy, we did really suffer a loss. Big loss here at WABC. Let's go to David in the Upper East Side. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. Hi, Mr. Sliwa. How are you? Not good. Not good for Not a number good. of me, reasons. Me too. Me too. And let me tell you why. Um, and first of all, thank you for everything you've done for New York. I really appreciate that. And all of my friends and family do too. Thank you. I listen, so I'm an Ivy League graduate. I trained as a doctor in New York City. But unfortunately, I'm not working right now because I was the victim of multiple assaults here in the last several years including a severe subway assault where the uh, police just totally botched that case. They got the guy's um, cell phone, and they refused to even dust it for fingerprints. Um, the most recent one, unfortunately, was two weeks ago by a delivery driver who hit me with his bike. And then when I tried to stop him from leaving, he beat me up in the middle of Fifth Avenue in Manhattan in broad daylight. Mm. Um, I... I I totally agree with your positions on how ridiculous it is that criminals get getting away with violence here with no jail time. And they want to let this guy off easy, but he really should be charged with attempted murder. He said he was going to kill me. 
and he made an attempt to do so that was only blocked by a female five foot two medical professional standing in front of him, and he threatened to punch her if she didn't move out of the way. Now, David, let me let me ask you a question. How old are you, David? I'm 46. Okay, you're bright, intelligent. Your medical career. You went to an Ivy League school. Uh, yeah. This is happening to you. This is happening to everybody. You saw what happened outside of Zeldin's house in Shirley. Imagine Shirley Suffolk. Right. It's it's every, the yeah. other day. I just mentioned before talking with you on 50th and Lex on the six train platform, 2:30 in the afternoon. 17-year-old young man surrounded by six thugs, all dressed the same, beat him yeah. over and over and then stabbed him over and over, left him to die. 50th and Lex on the 6th train. No response to the police. The precinct is one block away. David, you stay on the line. Get I'll get your information. I will personally try to follow up. You're not going to get any follow-up from the city. There aren't enough detectives they had 7,500 detectives to follow up on crimes committed before the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. They're now only 5,000, and many of them are leaving. Retirement, early retirement, or they're being recruited by other police departments. If you don't have 7,500 detectives, you can't follow up on all these crimes. Uniformed police are there to patrol, to be the visual deterrent. They respond first. Detectives follow up with all the nitty-gritty details and put the case together so it can be brought to the DAs who don't want to prosecute to begin with. This is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Without police, there's anarchy, and we're reaching that point. And every elected official here in New York did not want to hire more police. Not Eric Adams, not Governor Holcomb, not then Governor Cuomo, not the Attorney General Tish James. No elected official in high office, they're all Democrats, wanted to hire cops. And now look at the mess that we're in. Let's go to Frank, who's calling from Greenwood Lake. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frank. Dear white liberals, please enjoy the fruits of your... Ooh. I tried to... I restrained myself. I didn't use that kind of language. Good good catch there, Matt Blaze. I don't need to have a problem with the FCC. I mean, I'm in control. Frank, come on out there. Take a little Prozac. I understand you're hot under the collar. But uh can't use that kind of language. Come on, Ken got to calm these callers. I understand. I get them all psyched up. They're all, like, fired up. But what he said there, oh, my God. I don't want it to be repeated. Poor guy will probably have the FBI knocking on his door. And, you know, the FBI is not the FBI that you've always thought it was. It never was with J. Edgar Hoover all the way till today. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Tony in Clifton, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tone. Hey, my friend, Curtis. Uh, I just really think the world of you. I don't have a lot of time to tell you all about how much I think of you because I was from New York. I'm in New Jersey now, and we have our own issues. But New York's in my heart. And I just want to know if I can have two minutes to share a New York Minute on why you need to just get out and clean up New York City by your vote. It's all about what you think. It's not, it's not, it's all good. Um, 
It talks about who's running the city, some little pet names for them, and how they're just making the city dirty and it needs to be cleaned up and who can do that. Can I have two minutes? You know, I always, uh, Tony, I've been doing this for, for so long, 33 minutes. Whenever anybody spends half of the call telling me all the things they're going to say and how long they need, it never ends, the call. It never ends. And you sound like a a very well-meaning person, but you should get right to it. I mean, half the call was all the things she was going to tell me, how much time she needed, and then she said, I'll give you a New York minute, but I need two minutes. Now, I didn't do well in math. The Jesuits shined their boots on my backside in my senior year in high school at Brooklyn Prep in uh, Crown Heights. I got kicked to the curb by them. I never looked back. But I can't tell you this. You tell me you're going to give me a New York minute, and then you tell me you need two minutes? Uh 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that dog is for sale. You know what that sounds like? Sounds like Dina Martin, right? Who does the show in honor of her daddy? Dean Martin, uh, eight to nine, right before me. He has that same texture of the boys. And the reason why I'm playing this song in advance of my wife, Nancy, joining us in the 11 o'clock hour, and boy, she went to the meeting of the progressives of Park Slope who were going to get together to protect the women and the dogs, you know, who were forming the group uh, Pink Panthers, Park Slope Panthers, Prospect Park Panthers. I don't know. She'll fill us uh, in as to what actually happened because I was not there. If I had been there, they would have all ganged up and tried to kill me right on the spot, even though I would have been there just to help. The reason I play this song is we're in a heated uh, election cycle for governor. Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb uh, said she would debate one time. Um, Lee Zeldin, her opponent, Republican conservative that I'm supporting, uh, has said it's got to be more than one debate. I don't know how that will be resolved. We only have a month left. It's a sprint to the finish line, uh, November 8th. But there is a piece of legislation on Kathy Hochul's desk of great importance. was already passed by the supermajority in both the Assembly and the state. And it's not like the Republican minority was in opposition to do away with the puppy mills. To abolish the puppy mills, which are one of the most heinous, torturous businesses that exists. I mean, there have been exposés on the puppy mills. It's, it's a horror. It's a horror. And imagine we've gotten Democrats and Republicans to agree to do away with the puppy mills. The legislation awaits the governor's signature. Governor... I'm not your best friend. I don't support you. I want you to go back to Erie County and get into the private sector. Everybody needs to vote for Lee Zeldin for governor. And Allison Esposito is lieutenant governor candidate, the former deputy inspector of the 70th Precinct in Brooklyn. 
But do the right thing. Sign this piece of legislation. Sign it. The Democrats want it. The Republicans want it. Why the delay? So that more puppies end up being uh, tortured, poorly uh, taken care of. God, you go into some of these puppy mills, you see the conditions. It's, uh, we'll discuss it more with Nancy uh, when she comes up, our animal welfare hour from 11 to 12. So much to talk about. Let's go to my namesake, although it's not Kurt Schilling, who had this stigmata with the Boston Red Sox and beat the Yankees, and then they won the World Series against St. Louis. I'm still smarting from that. Uh, is it Kurt or Curtis? It's Kurt. All right, so you like Kurt Schilling, who I would agree should be in the Hall of Fame, even though they're trying to keep him out because of his politics. But what's on your mind, Kurt? Well, just quick. Number one, it's a real pleasure to speak with you. you did, you've done a great job. I'm retired off the job. But I just have to tell you, I've been listening to you all day. I'm, I'm on my way down to Florida. You've been making me laugh about the, the cops from Chaminade. They played center. That's the whole problem, Curtis. The guys don't wear a hat. Even if they wear a hat, it wouldn't matter because they're four foot nothing. You can't see them. They're not allowed to do their job. They've lowered the standards, but nobody wants to talk about it. But I got to tell you, I appreciate you talking about it because the reality is you lost that type of police force. I'm retired off there. I got a lot of good buddies of mine that retired. And unfortunately, until that changes and you get real cops back, nothing's going to happen. You need to let them do their job. Now, which part? Which part? Uh, which part of Florida are you living in, Kurt? <laughs> I'm in the sixth borough, Boca Raton. Of course, that is. You know, uh, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, claimed that Puerto Rico was the sixth borough when he went there for a day to do nothing after Hurricane Fiona. But I don't ever remember anybody calling Puerto Rico the sixth borough. They do call Boca Raton the sixth borough, or they call the Poconos the sixth borough. So you settled there. How many years you've been there in Florida? Uh, I've been there about five years, and I want to address two things about the mayor. Number one, he was a house mouth. All he did was sit on the desk. That, that is correct what you say. Everything you say is truthful. That's number one. And number two, I'm a cracker. I'm a white Italian guy, and I have to tell you, he never mopped the floor with me. I'm six foot three, 280 pounds. And that he even said that against a fellow police officer should tell you who he is because you don't talk about your brothers or your sisters, my opinion. That's true. Now... I was stunned last night it came over the report that even with all the devastation in southwest Florida through Lee County, you know, Fort Myers, Venice, that whole area, I have guardian angels down there, and they've sent me this uh, video, and it's really bad. New Yorkers want to go to Florida more than ever before. They, can, can you believe that? Even after the hurricane, they still want to escape New York State. Because you know what? It's the... It's like New York used to be. It's the people that I grew up with. It's the people you grew up with, Curtis. It's that kind of community. And New York is still great, but it has a lot of problems. And I got to tell you, I'm glad you're a voice out there and you're getting people involved, and I hope they're listening. And hopefully we can save it, but I, I, I don't know anymore. I well, do appreciate that. I'm sorry you had to leave New York for Boca Raton, the sixth borough of the city of New York. You know, that's where Sid lived for a long time. That. that I don't know where Eric Adams got the fact that Puerto Rico is a six but I never heard that. He, he just made that up. Like he makes up a lot of stuff. People would say, even Puerto Ricans, when the hell did he ever pull it? Nobody ever said it, Puerto Rico is a six borough. Boca Raton, the Poconos, yes. Puerto Rico, no. Oh, man. 
And boy, he just went in there for a cup of Bustelo coffee, and he was out of there, right? Man, photo ops and gunk. We're gonna help. We're gonna help Puerto Rico after Hurricane Fiona. Can't even help us. Did you see the lead story today? Staten Island, right? All the hotels, Travis, Chelsea, right near the Kill Van Cole, the Arthur Kill, filled with illegal aliens from Venezuela. Who's paying for them? Us. Nobody from the state. Kathy Hochul hasn't contributed a nickel. Papa Chulo, Joe Biden, not a nickel. Giggles, <laughs> Harris, the Tsarina in charge of the borders, who only goes to the border with North Korea, but not with Mexico. Not a nickel. Chuck Schumer, who controls the purse strings, the schmuck to parts, he could easily get the money. Why aren't they giving Eric Adams what he wanted first, $500 million. Now he's shaking him down for a billion. Because they know if they give it to Eric Adams, they got to give it to Beetlejuice there in Chicago. Mayor Lightfoot, Lightweight, whatever, you know, who's busy doing karaoke TikTok videos while the city is in it. <laughs> the crime is like astronomical. Why is it that she and Eric have this uh, propensity to party while their cities are falling apart. And then they claim it's a racist plot. Did Abbott and Ducey in Arizona and DeSantis, white Republicans sending illegals up to cities in which the mayors are black, Bowser in Washington, Beetlejuice, uh, Lightweight, Lightfoot in Chicago, and the swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams in New York. That only lasted one day. Nobody bought that. There are now illegal aliens running around Staten Island with no clothes because nobody gave them clothes. They're not used to this kind of weather, and it's going to get a lot colder. They're knocking on people's doors for food. Now, when people are desperate, they sometimes do desperate things, and not all of them are little angels. Some of them, no doubt, were released by Maduro to get them out of Venezuela from prisons, from insane asylums, exactly what Fidel Castro did because the Mariolito boat movement that Jimmy Carter got suckered into in 1980. Those of you remember, the Mariolito spread all over America. And boy, they perpetuated crime. What's to say that these Venezuelans, some of them are not gangbangers, are not criminals, are not released from the insane asylum, are not nar- narco-terrorists? They haven't been vetted. And now they're knocking on doors throughout Staten Island asking for food and clothing. Eric Adams, you're their host. You're the one saying, Andale, Andale, I'm your host. I'm the mayor of a sanctuary city. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, it's our Animal Welfare Hour. And on board, 
a woman who's dedicated her life to caring for animals of all kind long before I ever met her. My wife, Nancy, is rescuing cats on a regular basis from shelters where they're only given 72 hours to live if they're not claimed or forced out or adopted. That's why if you uh, surrender your animal to a shelter in New York City, don't think that it's going to find its way to a nice house, somebody who can take care of that pet better than you can because you're, you're going through hard times. Think twice, three times about it, because if somebody doesn't claim them in 72 hours, they get destroyed. They get euthanized. Uh, we, can, we have to keep reminding people over and over, Nancy, when I tell people that's what happens in the shelter system of New York City, they're stunned. They all are of the belief that these animals that are surrendered or that they find in the street or are going to suddenly be in a new home of their own and that they're, they're going to be taken care of. Uh, no no harm will ever come to them. It, it's a lie. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's important to relay that message so that people do understand what the situation is and also keep the pressure on, uh, you know, the, the city agencies that are tasked with this uh, purpose of taking in the animals because, I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to find homes. So definitely got to keep the pressure on them, make sure they have the right people in the right positions. This morning, uh, well, actually tonight, we have a whole series of stories about pit bulls. We have a series of story about wolves. We have the ongoing uh, dispute between progressives about uh, women walking dogs in Prospect Park. But before we get to that, a lot of people don't realize this past week uh, was the um, the honoring of St. Francis Assisi Day, although I was really shocked to see that across America it's no longer called in many parts the St. Francis of Assisi Day. It's called the Animal uh, Appreciation Day. And I said, but well, that's all based on St. Francis of Assisi, who gave up all of his wealth. He grew up in a wealthy family, gave up everything and became the patron saint for birds and all kinds of animals, going from uh, being super wealthy to super poor, and just every moment of his life was dedicated to caring for animals. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure why there would be a focus on, on changing the actual individual that you're trying to celebrate, especially given those dynamics. But uh, obviously that's a little bit of a trend in today's society, so... Uh, yeah, but I, I don't see why you wouldn't honor the person who actually changed their lifestyle according to animals. So, yeah. And was such a role model for so many and continues to be uh, long before I met you and you introduced me to animal welfare in a way I never uh, had experienced and really wasn't focused on. Uh, my second grade assignment at St. Matthew's uh, uh, Catholic School in Crown Heights, the Joseph Hyde Nun said, there is a movie out about St. Francis of Assisi. Everyone in class has to find it in the movie theaters near them, watch it, and then we're going we're gonna to have a discussion and we're going to give a, a test out. And so back then you would look in the back pages of the Daily News and they would have all the times and all the theaters listed. There was, you know, there's nothing to look online. And I remember, oh, wow, it's at the Canarsie Theater on Avenue L. And they went there and there was like four people. That's it. You know, it wasn't a blockbuster. <laughs> But I got to tell you, the motivation of seeing a man who uh, was a swagger man in his era, he would go to parties. He was like, uh, he was chasing women. And something happened. Something snapped in his mindset. He gave it all up, all the riches, all the wealth. 
just to save animals, to help animals. And apparently he had the ability, if a bird landed in his hand and was injured, he could heal the animal, he could heal lambs, he could heal lions. And I'll never forget, and this is a story that reminded me of you, there was a wolf that had come down out of the hills in an Italian town that he was visiting uh, on behalf of the church. And the wolf was actually attacking uh, men and killing men. And the the townspeople wanted to go find the wolf and kill the wolf. And he said, no, I'll take care of it. He walked up into the hills. He found the wolf. He started to talk and communicate with the wolf. I know a lot of people will say, that's that's crazy. But apparently he then walked down with the wolf who walked in his side into town. People were horrified. And he said, look, this is what we all have to do. The reason the wolf attacked the men is it's starving. Look at him. Feed the wolf every day, and the wolf will provide protection for the village from other animals who are predators. And he was able to do the shiddock. He was able to negotiate that between the wolf and the townspeople. You know, as you start to flesh out this biography, it sounds so ripe for a modern-day interpretation of this on something like a Hulu or Netflix. I mean, this story needs to be told. Absolutely. But unfortunately, they shy away from it because it has a theological background since he was a priest in the Roman Catholic Church uh, when he gave up uh, all of his wealth, all of his riches to dedicate himself to animals. Now, I had uh, discussed how a dog's killing turned Brooklyn progressives against one another in the surrounding neighborhoods of Park Slope uh, that uh, are in the northern part of the park. I remember conveying to you, and we discussed it at length, uh, they were trying to put together a group uh, fashioned uh, uh, a little bit like the Guardian Angels. Uh, There was a guy who was saying, we should start the Park Slope Panthers to protect the women and the dogs uh, from this emotionally disturbed person who was out of control. And you actually went to the first meeting, correct? Yeah, I was at the first meeting, and... Obviously, I went there with the idea in mind that I used to live uh, not too far from there. And, you know, so I I would frequent the park uh, quite a bit. And I'm certainly aware of the fact that, you know, you you can feel maybe a little intimidated going there at certain times, and especially as a woman. And they've had a a series of um, incidents happening, but this particular incident was sparked by uh, a woman walking her dog in the morning and being attacked uh, uh, by a man who she had seen previously. So, you know, so the the purpose of the meeting was sort of structured as a little bit of like a community safety group for uh, park goers, particularly women who might be frequenting the park early in the morning. So, you know, given that and then also the focus on um, the dog being injured, it seemed like this was like a perfect alignment with uh, something that I could be of assistance with and certainly interested in, you know, assisting with. So, yeah, I attended that meeting and, you know, I I, I definitely was a little surprised by the, uh, you know, a, a degree of people who showed up to participate who really had nothing more in mind than just to, uh, you know, sort of lambast this idea from, from the jump. Um, they weren't very interested. Like, it, it was almost as though the first uh, sort of a, a relationship that they made was, oh, well, it sounds like you're trying to be the police and we don't want police here. 
like there was a total lack of recognition that what was being addressed was just safety of park goers and the fact of like the the crime that had actually occurred like that was given no leeway it was just you know and it was very over the top aggressive by the uh people who were opposing this like you know this small group of people but you know that, that was the whole goal right being very loud so oh well you know we don't want you uh you know uh, meeting in this park we don't even want you coming here like you know very over the top um you know negative aggressive toward even the idea of this group no constructive things to really add to you know what they thought oh maybe you can you know the group hasn't even formed yet the group hasn't even started they haven't joined the group they haven't seen you know what the membership is about they haven't heard what the plan of action is you know they just kind of came in with their own idea of what they assumed it was going to be and you know we're just completely focused on shooting it down from the get go now they did not know who you were correct no 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 i mean i just went in normal clothing um you know and, and i i wanted to do that because i definitely like to hear people's opinions w- without it being filtered in any way so you know i just wanted to go to to see what people were saying i mean i wasn't um you know and, and plus this is a, a meeting that someone else is hosting so you know i'm not trying to bring my focus there i just want to hear Okay, what's the the spokesperson saying? What is the group organized or is or is I trying to do? What are the people who are showing up? Like, what is their mindset? So, so I think uh, I got a very good insight into it. I see this New York Times article which uh, talked about the death of the idea and ain't going forward. Uh, how uh, it turned Brooklyn progressives against one another. Apparently, there was one thing at the meeting that they all agreed on. Correct? <laughs> yeah. So um, when I so the the um the setup of how this this meeting was so i showed up maybe about um 15 minutes into it i had a little uh, trouble finding it and then you know so everyone's sitting uh, in the circle and the uh you know groups organizer was giving everyone a chance to like speak in turn so you know i sit down in the group and the first person who was speaking as i sat down you know within a minute or so said right away was already against uh, the guardian angels curtis Sliwa. oh i heard this is associated with curtis Sliwa. i want no part like right away and then it's like the second third person i'm sitting there you know again not saying anything because <laughs> i just want to hear what people are like what these individuals are saying but again this like little um you know a vocal group of people who are opposing this very idea of this sort of a community patrol, you know, who's trying to be a deterrent in the park, right away, that's the first thing they glommed onto because that was featured in the story that was outlining this meeting. Oh, that, you know, this organizer was, you know, in some ways inspired by the Guardian Angels. He was thinking about basic, like, I think he really liked the idea of the organization the Guardian Angels did, but then he realized, oh my gosh, I have to tone it down because these, uh, you know, this, this group here is trying to make a big deal of it, so I have to just back away from it. So apparently, even he, who was pro Curtis Sliwa, pro Guardian Angel, felt that uh, I had motivated him by what I had done. He even agreed, no, no, no Guardian Angels, no Curtis Sliwa, right? That's the only thing they seem to agree on. Yeah, I mean, and and I, I, I kind of surmised that his position was it doesn't matter that he agrees with it. He was in a position where he's almost trying to, uh, you know, sort of uh, de-escalate the scenario. And, you know, I mean, I've been in enough situations like this before as well, where you have this really uh, vocal, small group of people 
who are, you know, focused on being nothing but really agitators. And, and again, they really exemplified it in the things that they were saying. Oh, we don't even want you coming to this park. Like, this is a public park. What rights do you have to tell anyone to not show up at a park because they disagree with your values? So they so, basically wanted to ban people from this group from even showing up to the park. Even showing up at the park, beyond just having a meeting there, they said, well, if you don't agree with our philosophy, we don't want you showing up at the park as though they own the park. So, I mean, this is like a, a really, you know, aggressive type of, uh, you know, again, mentality. I'm not sure, you know, how it's being bolstered, but, I mean, that needs to be called out because you, you can't silence people who are tr- who are attempting to try to do the basic thing, community organization. I mean, you're better off just seeing what they do and seeing how it works out. It's like, but the the, the aggressive stance they took, and they even visited this um, this uh, organizer's house a few days after the fact, and outside the apartment, like spray painted things on the sidewalk. I mean, this is a you know, like also like a semi-violent group of people. <laughs> this guy's just trying to do a good thing. Yeah, he's trying to do the right thing, and he's getting all this blowback. Now, when did they eventually find out that you were Nancy Sliwa? Well, um, you know, like at, uh, after I heard uh, several speakers, I you know I had opted to uh, to uh, leave from this scenario because again, I I, did, I just didn't think it was going to be. You know, I, I kind of realized pretty quickly it wasn't going to be anything that I was going to be able to assist in. Um, you know, if anything, you know, I could reach out to the organizer independently, but it was just a very volatile type of meeting. So uh, after I heard uh, several of the speakers, I just, you know, said, you know, I don't think I'm going to be of assistance to the group. And I stated who I was. I mean, you know, I, I shook the organizer's hand. You know, I mean, I'm trying to be respectful, but. It's just a little too volatile. I mean, I realized nothing was going to happen at that moment, and I wasn't. I was thinking nothing was going to happen going forward. Well, you're lucky they didn't lynch you right there in the park. <laughs> well, wow! But you see, it's amazing because all the years I've done this, 44 years, I had predicted, even though I encouraged you to go to try to help them. <laughs> Remember, I said they're never going to get off the ground. They're going to be their worst enemies. Yes. And it, it always happens. People, they start arguing with one another. They want to do the right thing. And then all of a sudden, they, they're not even doing anything yet, and they're destroying themselves, which, let's face it, if you're the forces to be like that city councilwoman there, you're loving it because now they're not even going to do anything. Well, you know, and, and, and I would just uh, sort of say one thing. Like when you're saying arguing with one another, I think the reality is you have the majority of people who – either were at that meeting or within the community who agree with the idea that you need to, um, you know, call the police again, for lack of a better way to address it, because that's the only way you're going to get the public services, the, the uh, help that you need to get there in the first place for this person who's living in the park that apparently everyone's fine with walking by all the time, knowing that he needs help. But the reality is, you know, the woman who wants to help him realizes, oh, I can't call anyone because no one's going to show up to help him. There's no city agencies. The politicians are playing it off like, oh, well, we'll try to de-escalate it, and we don't want anyone to get hurt. But no one's addressing this individual needs help, and where are we failing this person here? So that's like sort of the backstory of this this whole thing. No one wants to acknowledge this individual needs help, and we don't have the method to actually get the help to this person. Well, you know, were you surprised at the amount of coverage that this uh, 
just concept had. I mean, they never ended up doing anything, but I, I've never seen a story get more coverage for it's almost like a Seinfeld thing, a thing about nothing because they ended up doing nothing. But everybody, because it was Park Slope, because it was progressives, because they were wrestling with the idea, should we be social justice warriors or should we be proactive? It was like agonizing for the community. In the meantime, the crazy guy is still in the park, still attacking women, still attacking dogs. You know, and, and it was interesting, too, because they had a, a virtual community meeting where the uh, local residents were bringing up this very incident, and there was a number of, you know, people who had run-ins with this individual who did this, and the, uh, like, the local captain of that precinct had said, well, we have a number of people who fit the same description, like walking around the park with with uh, sticks in their hands. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I, I found that really disturbing. Well, Nancy, we have a job ahead of us. You know how I am. We're going to be patrolling Prospect Park. They don't want guardian angels. They're getting guardian angels. And I hope they suffer knowing we're in there protecting women and protecting, most importantly, dogs. And I just want to say that golden retriever, because you spoke highly of a golden retriever. You had one out in uh, Bohemia and Suffolk. Correct. That moose stood his ground. You know how we talk about Florida, stand your ground. Moose stood its ground, protected the woman that had raised him. He did not abandon her. He did not run away. He attacked. He moved forward. And as a result, he was killed. So he's literally killed in the line of duty. I mean, that's like a, a certainly a hero dog, uh, you know, doing what it was supposed to do, protecting its owner after being attacked. So, uh, yeah, I mean, th- there's a, a lot of reasons that you want to elevate this situation in this case and, you know, really acknowledge people who, you know, have their pets. I mean, same way like with us. I mean, I consider our cats our family. There's a lot of people who have the same exact feeling and you're minimizing that relationship and there's horrific crimes happening and these people need help and, you know, this needs to be addressed. Now, with the crime surge all across the country, urban areas, suburban areas, a lot of people, when they select dogs now, they go for the bigger animals, the pit bulls, the Rottweilers, the Dobermans, uh, the German Shepherds, because they feel that those dogs are going to lend uh, themselves to securing their home, their place of business, and their own person when they walk the dog the dog will protect them, and many times it does. But there have been a series of stories this week in particular about pit bulls, pit bulls attacking other dogs, pit bulls attacking people. Let's bifurcate it. Let's take the one involving the pit bull who had killed a Yorkie on the Lower East Side in a housing authority project. Okay, so this was um, a pit bull that had attacked uh, a you know, woman who was walking her Yorkie dog early in the morning, and it was within the uh, NYCHA complex grounds, and this pit bull was being walked off-leash and lunged and attacked and wound up killing her dog. So, uh, you know, so initially when they put the information together, they tried to, uh, you know, find the individual. He wasn't there. Uh, they knew the apartment that he resided in. They went to 
uh, get the dog. Initially, they refused to open the door. They had to get a warrant. By the time they got there, the dog was gone. And, you know, so basically now this guy ultimately uh, surrendered to authorities. He, uh, you know, he, he basically said, I'm the dog's owner. And now he's going through the system. Uh, he has claimed that he gave, he gave this dog away now. Apparently, this dog that he has had an, uh, an attack on another dog a few years previously, and he's a resident of NYCHA. Now, what happened it was in uh, 2009, NYCHA blocked people who are residents there from having uh, certain breeds of dogs, like, you know, pit bull, Dobermans, um, you know, and then like 20 other types of uh, breeds of dogs, and then also having weight limitations on the dogs as well. So this became a situation where, uh, you know, people who live there, they can't opt to adopt a pit bull dog, which is one of the uh, most prevalent dogs that you'll find in the shelter. So unfortunately, this had the effect of, you know, a lot of uh, pit bulls who are relinquished to the shelters. There's this uh, big group of people who live in New York City who can't even adopt them because there's the restrictions there. So the intention, supposedly, of this ban of the pit bulls within the NYCHA complexes is for safety. But unfortunately, there's no enforcement complex uh, within NYCHA. So people who've, who walk the dogs off the leash, who have the dogs, they, they're living, you know, with the dogs uh, openly and, you know, for years. There's no way to really call them out. There's no one calling them out. There's no one visiting the premise. There's no one you know, uh, removing them from the premise or you can't live here anymore because you violated this. So all the people who want to own the pit bulls and be, you know, decent owners, they're prohibited from doing so. But the people who are going to be doing the wrong thing, walking them off leash, uh, having, you know, uh, ag aggressive tendencies with their dogs that have been documented. And unfortunately, one of the other things I've seen um, within some of the nicer places too the dog fightings they have on the roof. I mean, none of this is being monitored. So, you know, this it's just a really sad enforcement mechanism that's going on within the NYCHA complexes that is really responsible for this type of uh, sad outcome. And then uh, we'll be going to the calls. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. This is the Animal Welfare Hour featuring my wife, Nancy, Animal Rescuer. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, now, I had mentioned right before you came on, and this is perplexing Democrats, Republicans, they can't understand. There's a piece of legislation that is on the desk of our governor, Kathy Hochul, who's going uh, and attempting to get elected governor against Lee Zeldin. The legislation passed through the supermajority of Democrats in the state Senate and in the state assembly. And I don't know of any Republicans that were opposed to it. It just seems like it was unanimous to ban the puppy mills, which have caused so many problems for so many puppies in the way they've been treated, mistreated, abused. And yet, when asked, she gives no reason as to why she won't sign the legislation. It just simply requires her signature. What do you think it is, Nancy? Everybody wants to ban the puppy mills. The only thing I can envision is that she wants to, at some point, have a little bit of a celebratory uh, uh, sort of press coverage 
So she's waiting to do it when she thinks it makes sense. Now, obviously, running for office, she might be just uh, like biding her time. So very close to the election, she can have this official signing where she stands in favor of animal owners. Like that's the only thing that would make sense because at this point, I mean, you're a, a public servant. You already have the, the will of the public has spoken. That's why it's passed unanimously. Why you're refusing to just put a signature on that takes two seconds it, it defies logic, except for something like that. Like you're, you're just uh, positioning that moment, you know, to your advantage for some reason, in spite of you know, it being able to help animals right away. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Laura in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Laura. Yes, thank you so much for all you guys do. Nancy with fabulous cloak and dagger maneuver. You know, I don't understand the mindset of these people. You know, I I know that we used to call them progressive left, radical. I call them the lethal left now. It's very <laughs> sad, very sad. But, you know, and yet if they were in that position, God forbid, you know, being confronted with that, that gentleman who obviously does need help, they, they would melt. They would fold. I say send those guardian angels. Go in there. You will be legion. It would be fantastic. But, um, well, no, also, it, 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 also, Laura, this uh, to me is somewhat perplexing because I have found when I ran for mayor, the one issue that I spoke about, I elevated animal welfare uh, for really the first time, although our owner-operator, John Katzmatidis, when he ran for mayor in 2013, he was the first ever. Uh, to have as part of a platform to uh, eliminate uh, kill shelters. There should be no kill shelters. But I would go out there, and I'd be in the Upper West Side where we live, Laura, and there's a lot of liberals and progressives, and they say, I disagree with you on everything, but I love the stance you have on animal welfare because we love our animals. It was the one thing I saw in the whole campaign that brought people together was animal issues. They care more about animals than they do people and yet even in this situation, is Moose, the Irish setter who protected the woman who raised him, Jessica, got killed by this emotionally disturbed man. The progressives were ready to do something. And then a small group came in and bullied them and threatened them. And then the organizer who wanted to protect the women and especially the dogs... They're outside his house. They're spraying graffiti on the Don't be a rat. Don't be a cop. And so he gave up the whole idea. They allowed themselves, Laura, to be bullied. It's not right. It's not right because they're a small group of people. The majority of people who obviously go to Prospect Park would would hail all of your intervention and the protection of the police. I'm a daughter of a cop, so I have a certain, you know, and he always, my dad, God bless him, used to say you need laws to create a compassionate society and you need to enforce them. Not, you know, not to a horrible degree, but no, no, no. It's it, Thank God for you guys. Thank God. I had one other question. How is tuna? Pat? Uh, Nancy oh, doing great. T- tuna has actually, um, you know, certainly come around, and uh, she's back to normal in terms of uh, eating, drinking, uh, her normal type of uh, you know daily behavior. Although I think what she's showcasing a little bit now is uh, probably like <laughs> like early signs of dementia. Um, 
you know, I had, you know, I sort of had some uh, inclination of this based on a previous veterinarian visit, but yeah, she, she's sort of, uh, you know, forgetting some little things here and there. So I have to be a little bit more insightful into what she's trying to accomplish when she's moving around the apartment. Sometimes she forgets where things are, but uh, other than that, like her, her health is, is on point and, you know, yeah, she's, she's doing great. She's this, doing great. This is amazing, uh, Nancy, that she is our smallest cat, but our oldest cat. She's smaller than a kitten. Yeah. Uh, she's had neurological problems, but she's also beginning to suffer from dementia, just like humans do. It seems cats have all the similar issues when they get older that humans do. Yeah, and, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, looking into it and, you know, the, the more you delve into these uh, issues, you know, the more you learn about them. So uh, in terms of uh, cats, at least, having dementia, uh, some of the symptoms that go along with it, you know, completely match up with uh, things that Tuna experiences. But, you know, one of them is like forgetting locations of things. So I've noticed a lot of cats that I'll see on, uh, you know, for adoption, on the kill list. When people relinquish them, like sometimes it's medical issues, sometimes, but, you know, they'll uh, state, oh, they're uh, not using the litter box. So I I think some people sometimes mistake that with a behavioral issue or a health issue. But in this instance, it seems like, you know, half of the cats who are uh, maybe over 14 from, you know, again, from from what I've been reading, like have uh, symptoms of dementia. So they will maybe not be able to locate the litter box. So something like that, like to recognize that that's what it is. It's not any bad behavior trait or a health issue. It's just they might be forgetting where it is. So, you know, you have to accommodate accordingly. So there's a lot of things that it's it's worthwhile just really researching, uh, you know, what people who have older pets, what they go through what they experience and what they deal with. So, you know, this way when you see these things, you know what to prepare for, you know how to cater to them and really address issues. This is the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. You know, we got the Frank Morano crew here, Matt Blaze on the board, Alex, the brown nose producer. Uh, guys, do me a favor. I've listened to some of the uh, other side of Midnight of Frank Morano. He keeps trying to give advice about cats. Would you just tell him he is not an expert on cats? He should just redirect them to Nancy, who is, I mean, can you believe this, Nancy? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I think he's sexist. I think he's a misogynist when it comes to that. But anyway, let's get back to the phone calls. Let's go to Ann in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ann. Hi, Curtis. Yeah, it's Ann, that little old lady from Staten Island. Um, I just wanted to mention something about, uh, and of course, to talk with Nancy, about that pit bull that attacks somebody. And to just go through this briefly, because the beginning of this will take too long. I've been involved in canine legislation for 40 years. Just had to slow down because of my health now. Stone dogs, bred dogs, obedience trained them, uh, therapy dogs, visiting VA hospitals, starting therapy programs, nursing homes, work with autistic children wow. with my dogs. Wow, nice. <laughs> Done all of this. And 
technically, I do want to say, uh, and Nancy touched on something which is so true. Um, technically, honestly, there is no such thing as a breed, pit bull breed. Um, a lot of dogs were used in the pits long ago. I'd have to go into dog fighting history, which is going to be too long. Um, actually, Maya Koch had wanted to um, ban the bully breeds in the 80s. And I worked with my network throughout New York State, my network of people, and the American Kennel Club. And we took this to uh, Supreme Court in New York. Judge Leon DeGrasse overturned that bill that was supposed to go into effect. Um, it was the first time I had ever testified, and ever since then, they couldn't shut me up about, about dogs. And it made me, because I had to do a lot of research to know what I was defending. And at the, at the time, I had boxers. And researching the bully breeds made me go out and actually add an American staff to my house. And then I've had Staffordshire Bull Terriers for 25 years, which in England are called a nanny dog because they're natural other kids. And that's mm -hmm. what the American Bull Terrier came from. Now, Nancy, you said something so true. And I know with all the issues going on in New York, although this has always been an issue, laws are not enforced. Yeah, dog off the leash, and I used to get calls, and I turned really kind of very unemotional. Oh, my dog was killed by the cops, you know. Um, it, it, they lived upstate, this particular call, I remember, and they wanted my help. Well, I put my people, like my Curtis does with the uh, guardian angels, I put my people upstate do some investigation. The guy was always letting his, his dog get out, and the dog was always getting in trouble. And No, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Um, I was with my network of people. We got the New York City dangerous dog law enforced and also the New York State law enforced, which those were the biggest things that we were able to do um, because there were incidents where a dog does need to be protected. And we made sure that certain things were in these laws to protect the dog under certain circumstances. People walk the dog off leash. How did you get this enforced? The other thing that people don't realize that it's against the law to walk a dog on a leash longer than six feet. All these flexi leads should absolutely be banned. Somebody's walking in the city, they're turning the corner and, and People are looking at their cell phones while they're walking their dogs. And it's getting these laws enforced to protect the dogs, protect the people. Well, I, what I'd like to do, Ann, is, uh, uh, Ken, if you could get Ann's information, and I'm sure she, she'll she be a great resource uh, for us. And, Nancy, she's very cognizant of the history uh, of this issue that you were delving into before. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, my run-in with a pit bull. I'm in Cleveland, west side of Cleveland. I'm at the chapter leader's house. He and his wife, they're upstairs with their children. I had to get up and I had to give a presentation in the morning in Stouffer Square, downtown Cleveland, on behalf of the Guardian Angels, and they had a pit bull. And I was getting along great with the pit bull. And then all of a sudden, the pit bull goes to sleep, and the pit bull is snoring, and the pit bull is moving his feet like he's dreaming. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching on NBC at that time, Uncle Floyd, who was a fixture. He had a national show. Uncle Floyd was from, like, Totoa. And I'm watching, and the dog bit my ankle and locked onto my ankle. Now, 
I recognize that. Don't move. Because this dog is growling, but it's sleeping. For two hours. <laughs> for two hours, he had my ankle locked into his jaw. And then uh, uh, the chapter leader of Cleveland, he comes down. He had to go and he had to work in the uh, uh, foundry. He had to slowly extricate my ankle from the pit bull who didn't even know. He wasn't even awake. He had no idea that he had locked onto my ankle. And then all of a sudden he's playing with me after that. Uh, there yeah. is truth. Uh, you've told me this before that animals dream. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and with with dogs, right? Like I always feel uh, obviously a more like heightened sense of concern around dogs because, you know, just based on their size, their ability uh, my experience with cats are, you know, if they don't like you, they're scared, or even if they're potentially aggressive, I mean, there's there's so many ways they can get away. That's what they'll choose by default. Now, with a dog, I'm, I don't think it's the same thing. They're not really sort of retreat-based animals. So when you're dealing with a dog that's a very big size and the dog doesn't know you, and like you said, it's like it's like a sleep state, so it's not even anything intentional. But they also, I mean, same like with cats, they're very quick to sense the energy you have. So if you start acting, uh, you know, intimidated around them, you know, you, you sort of uh, unintentionally t- turn yourself into some form of prey, and they're just reading your energy then. So you're making yourself look like prey or you're making yourself look weak, and they're reading off of that energy. So, again, there's a lot of dynamics that go into that. I'm not sure why. And I think when people have big, large dogs, uh, I mean, unless their personality is really, really just so clear cut, you have to just take take acknowledgement of the fact that they they don't know you like that, and you 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 always want to be concerned about them being around people, especially if you're not there. If you're there, they'll feel comfortable. I mean, it's like imagine, like you said, the, the dog sleeping, the dog wakes up, and all of a sudden, it's not seeing a person it knows; it's seeing a stranger. That that would be intimidating for any living creature. Well, let me tell you, I got a chance to watch two hours of Uncle Floyd with the pork <laughs> pie hat on, playing the piano, telling jokes. I couldn't even, I was not going to inhale or exhale. <laughs> this dog was snoring while he had his big choppers right on my ankle. And I knew if that I moved in the slightest that lockjaw would just like boom, probably break skin at that point. Yeah, I mean you're you're at their mercy, and again you're a stranger, so it's like the same way with a person. Imagine waking up in the middle of the night and someone, a stranger, sitting next to you. I, I mean, mean that, what reaction just, would you have? Just imagine the nightmare scenario. You're watching <laughs> Uncle Floyd at two o'clock in the morning on NBC, and you got a pit bull who's locked onto your ankle. Anyway, <laughs> let's go to Ann. Calling from Montgomery, New York, your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, and Oh, hi, Curtis and Nancy. I'm so glad <laughs> you are my heroes. Um, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people complain about what to do in New York City, uh, like with moose. Okay, I'm thinking you, you have to get down dirty here. Um so if you have a dog and um, they will protect you, 
I know because uh, as an animal control officer, the dogs are most loyal, and they will stand up to anybody. They don't care if you have a gun or anything else. They will protect you. So those people, those women and uh, weak people, <coughs> they need to have a dog. And, and their landlords will have to uh, ascribe to that. So I think... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> wow. You, hopefully you're not allergic to me there, Ann. No, 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 no. I'm taking care of my baby squirrel right now. Baby but, squirrel? Oh, yes. Well, I'm a wildlife rehabilitator, so I do all these things. But, but you, know, to... you know who was another person who takes care of squirrels that Nancy Ooh. met and really became fond of? Bernard Getz. Bernard Getz yeah. goes into the park. Bernard Getz? Yes. I, I I visited him in his apartment. He's in the same apartment that he was in before the shooting. He's still there. He goes into uh, Washington, excuse me, 14th Street, Union Square Park. The uh, squirrels all come to him. He brings them home. He cares for them. He takes care of them. He nurses them. Then naturally he brings them back to the park. And they all come up to him. People run away from him. They say, isn't that the subway gunman? Meantime, the squirrels are coming up, and they're jumping on his shoulder. He's petting them. It's amazing. Squirrels are one of the most sorry, intelligent creatures on the planet. Well, just, um, just yeah. remember, and just remember, Rocket J Squirrel and Bullwinkle Moose, they led us in the Cold War against communism, against Boris and Natasha. Remember Rocket J. Squirrel, Nancy? Oh, that's right. That was before your time. Yeah, I'm not sure who that is. By the way, how old are you, uh, Nancy? I'm still trying to find out. You're more of an enigma than Frank Morano, who won't tell anybody his age. Yeah, I mean, I think age is just a number. <laughs> that's what he says, and that's what our cousin Brucey says, too. Three of you, all three of you, refuse right. to reveal your age. Anyway, let's go to Loretta in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Loretta. Hi, good night, Curtis and uh, Nancy. Oh, and I said good night. <laughs> good night. Well, uh, I, I love my age of 77. Kudos. I just love it. Um, and I'm so glad I was able to get through tonight. I have an idea about the T-shirts you were discussing last night, Curtis. I don't know how this would be, how it, if it would go over, but what about a T-shirt that said, Lives Matter, P and P, Pets and People? Oh, I like that. That says it all. Uh, now, you see, some people might dispute the people part of it, but how can you dispute the pets part of it? Right. If you respect pets, and, and I grew up with them from three years old, uh, and I was horseback riding and everything. I have a love for all animals because I see God in all animals' eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I might add, uh, Loretta, uh, in my debates against Eric Adams, because uh, he never and has not done anything about the uh, kill shelters, uh, I always said, I looked at him. He would never look at me. Uh, and I said, remember Mahatma Gandhi. 
always said that a society that does not take care of its people will not take care of its animals and pets. And look at us now with all the emotionally disturbed, with all the homeless. We're not caring for them. They're roaming about. They're a threat to themselves, to everyone else. And look at how we treat animals. Anyway, on that note, Nancy, uh, if people want to continue the conversation, especially about this newsworthy subject that has generated more attention than almost any other story, how progressives were at odds and still are with one another over this idea of a Park Slope Panther story to actually try to protect women and dogs uh, that they're walking in the northern part of Prospect Park from uh, emotionally disturbed men who live in the park and have attacked them and actually killed a hero dog who stood his ground. The Irish setter, known as Moose, did not move, even though he was being hit over and over in order to protect Jessica, who had raised him, and let us never, never forget him because, wow, that, that's one hell of a brave dog. How can people get in touch with you, Nancy? Uh, well, people can get in touch with me directly. Uh, email nancy at guardianangels.org. Uh, you can also visit the website, guardianangels.org, or, you know, visit any of the social medias. Like, you post a lot of stuff about all the animal endeavors. So, you know, Curtis Lewa, Facebook and Twitter, like, we, we follow most of the animal stories. So any of those are great ways to reach out. Let me assure everyone, Nancy, who has spent a lot of time in Prospect Park when she lived in nearby Sunset Park, I who spent a lot of time in my younger years in Prospect Park, we are going to be making our joint return because we are not going to abandon the women and especially the dogs who are under attack. W-A-B-C. the cusp of the first time ever WABC with its own float in the annual Columbus Day Parade that we're going to keep the tradition alive. And Dominic Cardo, when I see you, and I know all the time you spend at Arthur Avenue in Belmont, Italian section, you're a beloved figure there. But I got to tell you, there's another person who shares your complexion. A guy named Franco Harris, who's got to be crying tonight. Well, what a great Pittsburgh stealer he was. You know what the city of Pittsburgh voted to do? No. Take down its Christopher Columbus statue. Now, this is the city of Franco Harris, Dan Marino, Joe Montagna, right? Italian. Yes. Yeah, Franco Harris. Yeah, I know. He's part black, part white. He's Italian. What do you make of all this? They're trying to discontinue the holiday. I think that we're going too far. It's political correctness run amok, and it needs to stop. It needs to stop. Every figure that you can point to has a plus and and a, and a negative when it comes to their history. And I'm not one for rewriting history. Now, uh, I will tell you this, uh, Dominic. I and Chaz Palminteri share many things. Uh, swinging baseball bats at people, knocking their heads off and causing their kneecaps to sing and ring. And obviously, uh, being a tough guy, got to be a tough guy like Chaz. Chaz has been railing. I've been railing. Because there was a moment in history 
You went to the high school named in his honor, Theodore Roosevelt High School, the drugstore on uh, East Fordham <laughs> Road next to, next to White Castle, right? Yes, yes. That's one of the schools I attended. You really got to do an intervention with Frank Morano, right? He's oh, all, all Italian. He's a cheech, a zip. He's a Chiliano. Here we go. I heard him on the other side of midnight say, you know, because he has the one hour each week where you can ask Frank anything, except he'll never tell you his age, like Nancy and like Cousin Brucey. And the caller said, if you had one person, either alive or dead, that you could sit down and have dinner with, who would that be? And he said, Theodore Roosevelt. And I said, what a self-hating Italian. This guy not realized they lynched 11, 11 Italians in New Orleans. It was in the New York Times. And they asked, Theodore Roosevelt, what do you think? He said, damn good that they did that. Frank Morano would like to sit down and have dinner with a guy, some would say, actually, who helped lead eventually to it becoming a national holiday because people said, my God, the president of the United States said, good, lynch him. Imagine if he had said that about, well, back then, if you said that about black people. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, that that was. Here we go. That would have so, been considered so okay, too. I, I have a question. What yeah. is what is this love affair between yourself and Frank Moran? There is no love I got to tell you, there's no love whatsoever. His friends are my enemies. So his friend Joe Borelli, that Eric Adams Republican, you saw, right? He, you saw he was in favor of the ocean liner coming to the North Shore home port. I said, that's a double udiscraziata, a double shanda. I wish people could see your face right now. And notice, all of a sudden, what did Eric Adams do again? He's constantly doing this pivot and shift now, this pivot and shift. He puts the tent in Orchard Beach. You used to go to Orchard Beach. I'm sure you would have told Eric, a little spritz, it gets a flood. <laughs> AOC told him, no, I know, I'm an engineer. Notice, he had to fold the tent. Now he's on Randall's Island with the tent. They're telling him, Eric, it's going to rain. It's going to flood. You can't put a tent. Hey, I know everything. He's going to bring an ocean liner into Homeport, the North Shore there. Thank God for Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, who said, hell no. And then she rallied the Republicans against it, except for Frank's very dear friend, Joe Borelli, who said, well, it's not really a bad idea. There is illegal aliens. They're going door to door now in Travis and Chelsea. Yes, they are. Yes, they, they got are. no food. They got no clothes. I understand that they came in unprepared. You know, they're used to a, a warm weather climate. In Venezuela, it's now starting to get cold. Eric Adams, the swagger man, who's going, Andale, Andale, come, I love you, I love you. He gives, he gives him ugats. Okay, but wait, why do you call the mayor the swagger man? Oh, my God. Because he called himself the swagger man. Uh, yes, yes, you know, I walk around with swagger in my pocket because I like to share it. <laughs> what is happening? This, this city is falling apart. <laughs> I mean... Everything he touches, he has to undo a day or two later. I think he's running the city like when he used to be borough president of Brooklyn. You know, he loves to do the parades, cut ribbons, give certificates. I don't think he sits down with his departments and say, we got to do this, this, or this. Can you talk to him? I mean, he says nice things in your introduction there. Have a sit down with him. Say, Eric, you're the mayor. You're not a borough president anymore. I, I, I don't think the mayor would like what I have to say these days. I really don't. Why do you think he... Because I would tell him the truth. I would say, Eric, 
I, and I, it wouldn't be this nice. I, I would say, my man, you are, and you put in the, the effing up. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and he just seems to be oblivious to it. You know, like he the the day he declared a citywide emergency because we're overwhelmed with the illegals. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's I would not have done, but he did it. He was out partying in the morning with French Montana, the Coke dealer. And Ja Rule till that's, four in the morning. That's part of the problem. And I would also say to him, Mr. Mayor, with all due respect, did Ja Rule and French Montana, did they want to hang out with you the day before the election? So what should that tell you? Well, they certainly didn't want to hang out with me because we'd have been swinging and winging with one another. I'd say, French, right? Come here. Let me punch your schnoz right down your, your throat because you got all that cocaine in your nose. And you, Ja Rule, I'm going to settle the score once and for all.